What mics do the studio have in there for you? What are you using there? Do you know? Uh, lavaliers. Oh, yeah. It's fancy. Yeah. Well, it's not a hidden, podcast. It's a video. Ones. It's no yours is a real show. It's a television. Show. I haven't used these since Art Institute. I'll tell you that much. Just complaining. We haven't just started yet, and she's complaining already. Ah, oh, this studio is horrible. Hello, you're listening to the Eric McKenna Project. Where is it's my Fiji? What is this Glacier well, Isle? How dare you? That wasn't already open. You opened that, right? Yeah. Okay, good. I want to make sure no one left there. Alkaline spring water. That's good. I like alkaline. I went into a whole thing about reading about um, water levels. Do? What? So, like Fiji's on. There's acidic and base in waters. Okay. Look this up. I, I will. And <laughs> so, a spring water is like in the middle. And then it goes up to like Aquafina and down to like Fiji, like the alkalinity versus of the water. And there's differences. So you'll feel like if there's a drier water, if that makes sense. Like if you taste Aquafina. Yeah, is dry tasting. Yeah, there's, anyway, (laughs) if you read up on it, it's pretty interesting and you can taste the difference. Like you can almost do like a water tasting, say. Well, Fiji waters, or is it Fiji or Fuji? Feet. It's unbelievable. It tastes like like silky going See, down and your I'm, throat. I'm a smart water fan. Like I like the other side. I'm on the other like side. Like a hard and biting. Yeah. Like there's iron in there. Smart, full of electrolytes or something. Fiji water. People used to be upset when they would come on and I didn't have that because I made the mistake early on of buying a case of Fiji and just putting it out. And then like then I end up getting, I don't know, what the, what is, whatever brand this is. I'm just partial to purified. Was, the Fiji water. I was yeah. I, I, the bougie water. My assistant will bring in t- uh, spring water. I'm like, I won't drink that. You have to drink smart water. No, I have to drink purified. I like the chemical taste. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have that ordered to my home. Uh, it's like a reverse osmosis thing. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. See, something yeah, like that. There's, there's something. No, I just Googled it one day because this one says it that's what remind me 8.88 ph so i like the you know the only time i higher. needed to know about ph balances was when i had a fish tank yeah they're a pain yeah why do people still do the people do that is that a thing still fish tanks are like kind of still a thing um high end ones like i can see like a high tanks. yeah like the really like bougie now i'm going to use your word bougie. the bougie I didn't fish that tank word. with like the shark in it you know <laughs> You know, they always had really cool fish tanks when you would go into a Chinese restaurant or some Chinese restaurant. Yeah. They had like these crazy. It was the only time I would ever see a saltwater tank as a kid because the fish were so vibrant, you know. And I used to go, Dad, how come our fish don't look like that? Well, in my in my twenties, and I am, you know, rose from the Golden Girls on this. In that, <laughs> this is my Saint Olive. I lived in down or South Florida. Yeah, right on. And I was in the film industry. Um, so I went, I was a location manager, scout, and basically went into mansions, scouted them for film crews, commercial okay. print, like set up shop there, made sure they didn't break anything. And so I How'd saw, that go? <laughs> it was either the, I mean, they always had a ton of insurance on it, but it was like the homeowner, like the crew would come in, like plug into an outdoor outlet and then the outlet would break or like, of course, and then the. The homeowner's like, that's $500, you know? And you're like, there was either like the homeowners who were awesome 
who had $36 million houses we walked through and they're like, have Starbucks coming out of fountains. And, <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. And they're absolutely so nice. And they're like, oh, you track mud through. Don't worry, I have a cleaning per-. You know, they're just like, they love, they like having people there. They don't even need the, the money that's coming in. And okay. then there's the people who are like the newer, new La Riche. <laughs> and they're like, oh, this is my marble floor with my, you know, they're like, it was hard to work with them. So it's just a big difference. Wealth is something, huh? Yeah, but the upper echelon of the wealth, they were always the nicest people, the most humble. You know, they were, they felt so fortunate, I think, to have it. I'm sure that's not true across the board, but. I don't think. No. No. And <laughs> where were you going with this? I have no idea. <laughs> you were idea. in Florida, you had a film job, and. Oh, so the fish tank. <laughs> yes. I'm back at the fish tank. Fish so they tank. would have these insane. <laughs> We're going to have fun here today. This is going to be amazing. Yes, this is going to be amazing. (laughs) Bring me back in. Okay, Okay. so the fish tank, they would have these insane fish tanks that would be like an entire wall. I mean, millions of dollars of fish, and it was just incredible. And there's salt water, but they have, I mean, there's people dedicated to coming in. Yeah, once a day usually. And like checking everything and making sure that these exotic fish are alive and, you know, well taken care of. Some of those fish are thousands of. of dollars. Oh, they're ridiculous. They're ridiculous. Yeah. Fish is store th- a thing. I went to um, a client's house a couple of months ago, and he had this elaborate system. It was built into the wall in this in his game room, and, and, I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars. But it wasn't salt water. And so it was missing that vibrancy, because the salt water yeah. tanks are so colorful, and so they're just different, Well, right? even the fish are a little bit of a... Yeah, yeah, it's like some carp you pulled out of the Ohio River down there, right? <laughs> Look like Wow, it that's me. a really nice carp you got there. <laughs> Don't laugh. As we used to fish for those things, and I can't admit to eating one or two as a kid, but we might have. Well, I am an official bluegill receiver. That's oh. all I've ever fished and all I've ever caught. Is There's no meat bluegill. on those. No, and I always get them through the eye, and I can't throw them back because now they're like half blind, and then I feel bad for the poor fish, and it's just fishing's disgusting <laughs> in the essence of it, right? I mean, yeah, but it's, it. it gives me like, you know, I could totally like put this worm on the hook, kind of girl, you know. I, so I'm there's not a af- feeling of accomplishment. There, there is, there is, that I'm like not afraid to put a little fish through, and like that's fun. I hate that shit. I just do. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't. I mean, I, I mean, it isn't that it creeps me out, but it does creep me out. Like, you know baiting a, a worm is the worst i hated baiting a worm when i was a kid you're trying to bait this worm and then you end up hooking your finger so now you have like an open cut and you got worm juice on your <laughs> fingertips to, like and how is that healthy i mean that's what i was thinking out thinking about when i was eight yeah i don't think you're a fisherman after all no or they had crickets right you'd have to put like a bait hook through a cricket now the fly fishing is fantastic I've never done because that. Because it's all fake bait and you're just a little... Shiny fly. and... When that, yeah. that's relaxing. But, but what again, if you caught something? That happened to me once and I had to get somebody to take it off the line for me because I didn't think I'd catch anything. I figured this would be an exercise of like almost athletic, like baseball. I'm a baseball fan. This is going to be like throwing a baseball. I'm going to toss this out and every time I'll just slowly bring it back. I'll get some sun. I'm not going to catch anything. Yeah. And boom. Like 20 minutes in, I'm like, now what do I do? <laughs> now I gotta get it out of there. <laughs> I would like to do deep sea fishing. I think for a, a once oh. a life experience, I think, you know, bringing in like a big marlin or. So I'm taking you've never done it before. I haven't. I haven't. Okay, so before you get to the fishing part, you need to survive the ride. 
Well, I like so I love being out on the sea. Um, Everybody says that. Jet skis. I, I don't let me loose on a jet ski. I will. It's like riding a motorcycle for me. Like okay. I will make it go as fast as possible in the ocean. In the ocean. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm a crazy person out there. <laughs> I like lose hats. Like I'm like I don't care. This is the best time I've ever had in my life. So I love that. Um, I did go out once on like a half broken catamaran. A schooner. Yeah, and everybody got sick. I was the, the only one who didn't get really sick, and you know the whole day was a bust. And then one of the engines broke, and we're going through. Of course. Oh my gosh! Downtown Fort Lauderdale's waterways, and almost running into. Bo- it was awful. It was this awful experience. I was like, you know, I think I'm a speedboat type, maybe a yacht girl. <laughs> yacht. Like everybody's put a, yacht me on a yacht. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody's a yacht person. But I do. I like the speedboats. You know, that's that's a lot of fun and. And you were in Florida, so there had to be a lot of that. And, and you're not doing that in Pittsburgh on a regular basis, I'm guessing. No, yeah. no. I, I've done kayaking. Okay. Down. That's, that's a thing. Yeah, down by PNC, I went kayaking, which is really fun when you leave mm-hmm. because the flow of the water's with you. But then you turn around and you're just fighting. You're just like so exhausted. You're like, why did I do this? I don't understand. Um, like, I'd rather be in like a lake. When I grew you know. up, we went, this is, uh, this will date me, but I was going, I guess it was water skiing for the first time down on the Ohio River. And I am so old that the river back then had all kinds of colors, lots of colors. I don't believe that. Oh, believe it. There was all kinds of chemicals <laughs> floating around in there. It was all kinds of shiny. And you would have to. I thought you were saying it was really clear. No. Colors. Colors. It had lots of colors. <laughs> Like a certain brown tint over here, a certain burgundy tint, rust over here. Oh, there's that carp. (laughs) Yeah, they just float to the top and you grab one. Yeah. Um, But the point was, we had to be told by folks that were experienced at water skiing that you needed to be careful not to get impaled by pieces of wood and lumber and metal. That's floating nice. down the river. Bodies. <laughs> and I guess it's a lot cleaner today than it was, but I will tell you, in the 70s and 80s, it was not real clean. Yeah, I mean, I think the river's been cleaned up a lot. It looks it looks refreshing, right? When you're down at the point or... And you crash and you get a gulp full of that stuff. That was terrible. I'm kind of a tomboy. Like, Didn't bother you anymore. Like, I love makeup and hair and fashion and all of that good stuff, but I just signed up for the Muddy Princess. Like, that is truly who I am. It's like, you can dress me up, but I'm going to go jump in mud and, like, do whatever. I, I have fun with that kind of stuff, like, mm. letting loose a little bit. But it will be in, like, a pink hat with eyeliner. Like, that's my role. What is that, the Muddy Princess? What is that? So it's kind of like the Tough Mudder. Okay. But based for women. And um, obstacles, mud, and you probably wear tutus. You know, it's kind of like... <laughs> I don't know what the you outfit said probably. Well, I mean, there's so many different concepts you can go with for, uh, you know, dressing up. You could be super women, you know, Wonder Woman costumes or... And it's for women. It's for women, which, you know, now and now I get such a hard time because I do all of this women's groups and, you know, we talk about women's issues is now when does it push into the other side that we're leaving all the men out, right? But I always say we're talking about it as an open discussion. Men are more than welcome to attend anything, take part in anything. We're just saying it's focused on women 
and women's issues, if that makes sense. Like, we're not excluding men. We're bringing, we'd rather actually bring them into the conversations as well. Yeah, I'm all for inclusion, but I'm also kind of puzzled why that's even a thing. Like, why do we even, why would someone even be upset by that? You know, I don't know. It's like, we're really uber sensitive to that. But regardless, um, you born and raised here? I was actually born in Kansas. Mm, that's all yes. Right. Pittsburgh's a long way from Kansas. It it is. <laughs> I was my my real name is Amanda, and um, it's after see that. a Waylon Jennings song. <laughs> ah, okay. So everybody calls it says Mandy Barry Manlow. I think it was about his dog. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> it was Waylon Jennings. My dad played a banjo, played guitar, and um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. So I, I'm from Kansas. I moved here very young, though, to Pittsburgh. My mother's from here. Okay. And... Well, how'd they end up in Kansas? So, my mother and my father were both greeting card writers. Or, she, he was a greeting card writer. She was a greeting card illustrator. Huh. And they met, I think, in Ohio at either... Oh, I'm going to... I think American it was called Greetings Russ, Russcraft. Car- oh, okay. I think. I've it was an older company. company. I've heard of that company. And then they went to American Greetings. Yeah. They were up in Boston, where my brother was born. Okay. And then they both went to Kansas, where Hallmark is. Okay. And so, they both worked for Hallmark... So it's it's ironic that I'm kind of in one way with my marketing company and the family business that, you know, I do these designs, I put on a clever quote with it, and I'm like, I'm pretty much the online version of my parents' business. <laughs> 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 so I don't know how that happened, but very creative. You know, I um, my dad passed away years ago, but I've had this box, which I was given after his funeral, of the rejected Hallmark cards. So they are like terrible jokes. That make no sense. Like it's like oh, and then there was a banjo, and there's like no punchline. It's like this reject box. It's fantastic, but those were his ideas, or there was the, they were his. Oh. So just tons and tons and tons okay. of like That's his part of the card concepts. Right? Yeah, but it was great growing up in a creative sense, and you know, giving me that freedom and a lot of sarcasm and humor that came along with it. Um, kind of you know, moving me where I've gone in my direction of. I always say I'm going to be a stand-up comedian one day and just throw the whole baby kissing and waving game away and just be crass on the road and just speak my mind, right? You could do that. You could do that. Yeah. The good ones get paid pretty well. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever do it, but at least it's out there. I watched a lot of Saturday Night Live as a kid. I don't know if that's <laughs> no, right. You are but... immensely qualified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like it's the question. I loved it. I loved it. Okay. It's so funny. They started playing replays a couple weeks ago or a month or two ago of like old shows and I was like I remember this as a kid like I probably shouldn't have been watching those, this those probably weren't even the old old shows we've no. had this conversation on another podcast the inception of that show in 74 or 75 I mean I was young young but just and shouldn't have been watching it yeah. like John Belushi and Chevy Chase yeah we said there was um, the- Jane you ignorant slut and we said, are we, are we, would they be allowed to say that today? And the yeah. consensus was probably they would try to do it. But uh, they had John Belushi doing Joe Cocker was a thing. You might not have ever I seen that. It's one I of the most famous one. moments of that show's ever. They, uh, I guess J- John Belushi was imitating Joe Cocker, the singer, and then Joe Cocker walks out in the same outfit. And they sing together, and Belushi's doing Joe Cocker better than Joe Cocker's doing Joe Cocker. Sure. It's unbelievable. It's crazy what they can do on there. I mean, some of them are okay today. Some are so funny still. You're like, you're just so talented at like... Yeah. 
what they're doing. So I think so. I think so. So Pittsburgh is a lot different than Kansas. <laughs> it's a lot different than Florida. Although there's a lot of Pittsburghers living in Florida. So many Pittsburghers. Yeah. It's a transitional place though. You know, I went down there at 21. Die? <laughs> I will. I will. I always say I'm going to go have a condo back down there. Like I want to dance in Meisner Park at like 65 years old with my ridiculous costume jewelry, dance up to nights and nice. have cocktails. Like, I can see that age yeah. sitting out there. <laughs> Once the kids are like older. But I mean, they just look like they were having the time of their lives, dining yeah. and it, it was great. But it's it's different. Like even the friends I had down there, they're in DC, they're in Texas. Mm-hmm. Like they don't live there anymore. It's in your twenties, like that's the lifestyle you think you want is I'm going in mansions, I'm going to fashion parties and you know, with celebrities and you're doing the whole thing, you're on boats on the weekends, this big glamorous lifestyle and you have all these bags. Meanwhile, everybody who lives there and they're like twenties and thirties, for the most part, you're pretty broke. You're not making much. Like everybody's in the restaurant and hosp- hospitality industries, right. which you can move your way through. But, you know, it just became not home. And all right. of a sudden, like that's kind of in my late 20s. I was like, well, I don't necessarily want to stay here. The school systems are this and that, mm-hmm. you know, they're mm-hmm. they're a little bit worse than the Pittsburgh ones. We have really good schools here. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No question. And no question. Um, no question. The, really. I mean, they're really top schools. And the atmosphere is different. You know, I grew up playing Red Rover in the backyard mm-hmm. and, you know, it's just a whole different lifestyle. And I think by the time you, you reach your late 20s, you're like, okay, I see what my parents were trying to do here. <laughs> Plus my 80-year-old Italian grandmother would call me every two weeks of crying course, to get me course. to come. I mean, literally sobbing on the phone going I trying I will you just move home and I'm like oh my gosh I have to move home but I had you know I just graduated I did an MMA fight random random jobs that I've oh, had really? yeah so wait, I wait, wait back up back up okay. you didn't fight you didn't I did not okay. fight I was a producer okay. um so we set up like a whole fight night and my my best moment from that, there was two moments, was one, this guy, one of the fighters, like, got knocked out. He was on a stretcher. I'm trying to find the ring girls. I'm, like, on my phone. And then they're, like, the, the branding is coming up off the mat. And it's, like, a live pay-per-view fight. And I'm, like, I have nail glue. I was, like, I have nail glue. I'm going for it. So I'm running from, like, across this. We had, like, 30 seconds. And I'm in the middle of the ring, like, nail gluing this branding down so they don't trip on it and so it doesn't come off. And then I'm running back, and, like, Dennis Rodman's there, and he's, like, trying to find vodka. So I'm running all over. We're at a school. Like, we're nowhere there's vodka. I'm running all over trying to get Dennis Rodman vodka. It was ridiculous. But what an experience. Like, I, I, I loved hosting. It was definitely something outside the box and, like, it's huge. to MMA is huge in Florida. Yeah. So, do you like the sport though? Or I do. do you like the I do. spectacle of it? No, I mean I'd watch it. I love Brock Lesnar. I mean his back was ridiculous. Like he'd mm-hmm. come out. I don't know what you know. Mm-hmm. He was a wrestler, wasn't he? Yeah, was Probably. He's enormous. His yeah. back was like a wall. But he'd come he out and be like, MMA. "Oh, I don't want to." You know, it was fun. I mean, it was always on. Like yeah. he, it was on like. Penguins would be on here on a Saturday yeah. night. Everywhere had it on, so you okay. had to watch it. Okay, um, I like it, but I think they do. They hug each other a little too long. Like they'll be <laughs> stuck there for like two minutes. You're like, guys, can we like just back away from each other? 
reset, and then go at it so again. So you probably like boxing better than I like boxing better. They're striking, yeah, yeah, striking each other. Which MMA is supposed to be everything, but once they hit the mat, it becomes like kind of like. Well, there's always like it's like a delay. Like you're just they just you know I understand violence. that it's like part of it, and they're they're doing stuff well, but it's kind of like. All right. Well, I guess I'm gonna go to the bathroom. These two <laughs> cuddle. Could you stop cuddling and punching each other in the face? Oh man! All right. So, so wait. You went to school in Florida. So I went. I actually went to IUP here. Okay. For English, I wanted to be a writer, right. a penniless writer, and then um, are you following in your parents' footsteps in regards to the greeting card and things and so forth? My father was an English major. Okay. His mother was an English major. Okay. So I wanted to be a creative writer. And okay. worked for a magazine, which I did accomplish. I worked for a magazine in Florida for a little bit, but I did not like the fact that everybody writes exactly the same. And that Meaning. is the, the voice is the same throughout. So if you read a magazine, the voice kind of, you know, that kind. It was a, um, I, I, I won't name it, but it, uh, a beauty magazine. The voice is the same for consistency throughout. So you're trying to write like everybody else. You're not trying to like stand out as like a writer in that type of magazine. It's not like an the opinion publisher didn't piece. want that. No, it's it's very standard. It's very, you know, they had medical doctors in there and and highlighted. So it had to be a little bit more cerebral. So I didn't really like. It wasn't creative. I'm like oh, I'm creative. So it wasn't for me after. You know, I started writing in fourth grade. Did classes mm-hmm. out extracurricular. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I actually like that. So it was back to the Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I worked in a lot of restaurants. I've worked in a lot of restaurants, which is great. Um, so I went there, and then somehow I found that position as this location manager and scout, and um, which I think I found on Craigslist of all places. Really? And I worked for, I mean, Marlins Baseball and oh, right all these like amazing companies. And um, it was great, but I was there, you know, maybe five years. It was time to move on, so I took this job. Well, this job was, I was an associate producer. I was like, I'm an associate producer. Well, it was totally, like, scammy. And, like, they were like, you've won a TV show, but you have to pay $9,000 for it. And I'm like, wait a minute. And you don't know that till you have it, and you're like, well, I'll stick this out for a little. But there was a girl who was, like, their regular person they used for the show, and... I was like, I can do better than this. Okay. And so that sent me back to school for broadcasting because I was like, if she can be on and get paid as this, then I should go and and go back to school okay. for it. And where was that? <clears throat> Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. Oh, right on. Yeah. So I, I loved it. Um, I had stage fright from horrible, horrible stage fright from okay. five years old. I messed up. My mom will tell you about this. So I was supposed to go in front of the entire school on the intercom and ask a question. Okay. And then people would have to answer it. So I went in. I said, I was, I was so pumped up. Like, my cousins were in the school. Everybody was going to hear me. I'm like, was, right. I knew I wanted to, like, at All least right. talk from a young age. Um, And so I said, what is Dorothy Gale's last name in The Wizard of Oz? There was nothing I could say. I already said her last name. Like, I totally just, that was it. Stage fright set in. Never changed. Like, my brother came home. He's like, don't even ask her how it went. Like, it was so bad. So bad. So I spent a long time. That gave you stage fright? I mean, to the, the point. The Wizard of Oz <laughs> revealing the last name? Yeah, that was it. Because wow. I was so confident about it, and I just felt utterly humiliated. As a, wow. And I was little. I was a okay. little kid. So 
I still wanted to be, I tried out for movies and froze. I tried out for morning show hosts. I'd stay in line for two hours and then I couldn't talk. I'd prepare and be like, I can't talk. Wow. They'd be like, we like your shoes. I'm like, <laughs> like this is great. I love it. Like, <laughs> so it ha- I mean, I, I bombed auditions for musicals in high school. I just kept going in because I was like, I know I can do this. I know I can do this. Until it was time to do it. And then I couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I'd freeze and just blurt out whatever. <laughs> I still have problems with it today. I, I mean, in more serious situations, I just, I'm like, what, what? Did you just say out loud? Like, what are you like saying? Tourette's almost. Almost, yeah. It's awful. It's awful. And I get out of there. I'm like, oh man, Mandy, that's that's terrible. So I went back to school for broadcasting. I was like, I got this. So in the school, I was fantastic. Um, you know, the kids were younger than me, so I immediately felt like I'm a mentor. I have to be able right. to do this. If I can't do this, they can't do this. And you know, I was tutoring some of the kids, so I did great in a school setting. Um, ended up with a double internship to NBC Six Miami, one huh, okay. one television portfolio of the year with a gold medal. I got a gold medal, my only one. I was like ready. All the kids are like, oh, "You're gonna be a news anchor." I'm like, "I'm gonna be a news anchor." Well, I chickened out. I've told everyone, I'm like, "Well, I don't want to go to Mobile, Alabama, and make thirteen grand a year and be on call." And the truth is, and mm-hmm. this is like the first time I'm saying this publicly, is um, I chickened out, never sent a resume in. Wow. How yeah. about that? Yeah. So I just was like, I because ch- when I was out with NBC, I would freeze. Like, I would freeze. They'd be like, okay, write this. You can do a stand-up here. And I couldn't do it. Wow. I know. Okay. So this is why I had my spotlight on Pittsburgh show. This is why I started it because it's practice. It's at a community TV station. We got students there watching and I pretty much disassociate with the camera that it's a camera and not Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. 500,000 people watching me. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, when it comes to work, like I work for a chamber of commerce and the first week I was there, they were like, you're going to be on stage at this community days with a congressman. And I was like, oh, okay. No problem. But now I'm so comfortable with it. Yeah. I could stand up in front of a thousand people. It wouldn't bother me. And now I've done Spotlight on Pittsburgh so much, you know, in that type of setting, I can talk in front of anyone. I can interview anyone. So it took a long time. I mean, everybody sees, oh, she talks so well in front of people and she talks so well on camera. And I'm like, it took mm-hmm. me about 30 years of just going back and doing it again and again and again to like get over the stage fright from being five years old and talking about Dorothy Gale on The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Did you ever analyze like why you feel that way? Are you, are you at that moment? Are you self-analyzing what you're saying? Is that what leads yeah, to the fear? Yeah. So, so it's harder if I'm prepared <clears throat> or scripted. I get that. Like if I'm just talking, like I'm talking to yeah, you, like yeah. we're having a great time. Absolutely. I'm not worried about it at all. Yep. It's like the second I. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. If I try to memorize something or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Or be super prepared about something. I just I can't talk. It's like yeah. I don't know what that is. It really it, it'll get there in like what thirty more. I'll be like sixty. I won't tell my age. I mean like forty two. <laughs> um, yeah, but that that was a huge struggle for me for a long time. But I'm the type of person I'm like I hate fearing things. Yeah. Like I refuse to let anything bog me down or stand in my way. So I will keep going back again and again and again until. You know, you I've get nailed through it. it. 
Yeah, well, until it's, yeah, I knew I could do it, and obviously I, I do my show now just fine, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. it's taken a long time, but I was determined. I was like, I know I will be good at this, so. I think I think I can relate to that. I had a guest on said something funny that she, uh, Julia, she said, I just didn't like cottage cheese, and I would just keep eating cottage cheese because I knew it was good for me, and I knew eventually I would like it, but I just ate it. And ate yeah. it, and ate it, and ate it, and ate it. Took years, <laughs> but eventually I liked it. I yeah, I can't relate to. That. I don't like cottage cheese at all. I'm like Julia. I can't I'm like that's to just that. one of those. I think I'll skip. <laughs> I'm gonna skip that challenge too. Yeah. Well, it's just like I I have a fear of like standing on ladders or heights, especially yeah. ladders, fer- Ferris wheels, anything you're not like tied into. Uh-huh. I hate it. But I want to go skydiving this year. Like that's my. I want to jump out of a plane. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to stand on a ladder and get a book down from a library because it's too high. Yeah, heights are a strange thing, and I'm deathly afraid of them to the point where I have to somewhat sedate myself to fly. Somewhat. Really? Yeah, a little bit, yeah, to take the edge off. I'm a little better today than I was years prior, but I don't like ladders. I don't like being in a tall building and going to the window. I would never think of, why would I possibly jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Why would I do that? I have a whole system for that. Why? You know, and you have a system for jumping for, out of a plane. No, no that they're going to have to basically push me, but I'm going to do it. Like, I think once I'm up there, I'm going to have to do it. That's why, I, like, if I sign up, I put money down. I'm like, I have to do it. I have to. And it's like a one, you know, it's a one second decision. So that's, I'll do it. But no, I have a system for flying, and it's ridiculous. But you know, I know I've memorized kind of the, how the flight feels, and yeah. And it's just, I took... It's a takeoff for me. It's I, I'm okay getting on the plane. Hopefully I'm, you know, I don't drink anymore, but hopefully in the past I was kind of like a little tipsy and okay. Yeah. But it's that takeoff, like that rumbling, you know, you're, you're the, cause the, the, you know, the, the, I don't know, the, the runways are just so rough. You would think runways would be smooth as silk, right? But those planes, I mean... I don't think there's anyone who's 100% just, I mean, they would have to be a frequent flyer and fly like every day to be... Yeah. I mean, every time I, I mean, I, you know, I get a little concerned. How could you And then you once, not? It, once it levels I mean, out, you're like, all right, and I'll take the round ice for 500. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you figured the landing would cause more concern to the average passenger, but not me. Yeah. I'm worried about that takeoff and like the landing, you know. And I think I, the landing is worse. It would probably be more risky, I guess, if you were assessing risk. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've had some landings that you come in and you bounce, bounce, yeah. and bounce. And that's a little unsettling. Yeah. I mean, I've had once. some rough, rough flights, for sure. Yeah. But I had one really, really cool one. I was flying to Pittsburgh from Florida, and we flew through, like, five thunderstorms. But they uh-huh. were, like, these ginormous, like, cloud formations that we were just sailing right between. And then you'd see the lightning strikes in them. And you weren't really, I don't know, I wasn't really worried. I just thought it was the neatest thing I've ever seen. I was like, look at that. See, I would never What was the that. scariest flight you were ever on? Um, I was going to Panama City on spring break, 20, wait, 2004 mm-hmm. with my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And we were on like a puddle jumper propeller plane. And it, is this, it was foggy and they had to circle and it was like bouncy. And I'm like, we're all going to die. <laughs> 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 We're not going to make it. 
And then you do, and you're like, I was just being so foolish, you know? It's just, mm. but I mean, I, those little planes are a lot rougher than the. Yeah, oh, there's no question. Planes. I was on a wide body. I think that means it was, it was the type of plane that had, um, you know, I guess it's three seats and four in the middle, so there was two lanes. That's a 747, yes. 757. I don't know. A big. Oh, the one with the two in the middle, too? Yeah, there was just a shit ton of people in every direction. I mean, it was I mean, it was the biggest plane ever, and I was going from Chicago to Miami. That was the flight. It must have been twenty years ago. But and I've had some rough flights, but this one was a lot of turbulence, and we were um, constantly being told to put the seatbelts on, seatbelts off, seatbelts on, seatbelts off, and you know, I was kind of like, you know drinking yeah white knuckles and i looked up at, and as they were serving in our lane closest to us they were serving the two flight attendants who were serving i just happened to be looking at one of them and a terrible terrible turbulence hit hit the plane and it went oh. and, it, and, and i saw her face looking at the other flight attendant and it wasn't a normal look like i'm sure they've been through yeah. this a thousand times but she looked at that other flight attendant like, and oh, when her man. eyeballs went like that, I knew we weren't in Kansas anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that this was not a this routine turbulence. There was something going on. And from that moment on, I was petrified. So my favorite thing to do on a flight is I have to get... <laughs> Inebri. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> to be um, fair, pull that a little bit closer to you. Sure. I, I want you to sit back. I have no problem with you sitting back. I just want baby, just pull, pull the mic closer to you. There you I'm go. just short for there you, you know. go there you go <laughs> I'm short by these chairs you're good <clears throat> but I always do like the National Enquirer or Globe it's usually the Globe the Big X crossword puzzle and my my goal is that's your routine it is my routine I have to get a coffee I mean I have like a down pat I miss flying I haven't flown in a while and then I have to do this I have to start it when I get on the flight because they're not that hard they're pretty easy and try to finish it by the time I get off the flight so it's not like the New York Times no they're like. Puzzle. Yeah, it's it's easy. Like you can fly through it. I mean, I try to, but at least it keeps me busy. Like while I'm on there. Yeah, I used to try to sleep, man. I, you know, and it's tough. I mean, I, I haven't flown since I gave up booze a year or so ago. When I go back to fly, and knowing that I don't have that anymore, that's gonna be it's gonna be different. Well, and it's embarrassing to sleep on a plane. I think. Like you're like falling asleep, your mouth's like half hanging open. Are you gonna see? You're these like your neck's anymore? crooked. Are you gonna see these people anymore? Well, I never really thought of that. I mean, really? What I if mean, they What if they take a picture and they're like, "That's well, that we, Mandy we, Pryor." We are in the era of social media. <laughs> you are right. That could happen. I saw her on the Eric McKenna <laughs> show. We need to post this. That's pretty. Funny. Oh yeah, flying flying is something else. I mean, yeah. uh, did you fly a lot though? When you when you when you're in Florida, you once fly a lot? I drove to Florida, that that car ride is the worst ever like once you hit florida it's like nine hours to do it in one day no it's just so boring there's not a hill there's not a tree it's straight highway it's the worst i mean it is it's gorgeous once you get up through georgia i loved driving through west virginia once i hit that i was like it's just you know hills and fun and west virginia's roads are so much better than pennsylvania's you notice that as soon as you get into west virginia the roads man beautiful yeah, and they're great drives <laughs> yeah yeah but florida is i mean i was down i was down pretty far south so it's nine more hours you're like i'm in florida i have nine more hours so i drove down there once i threw one i one 
cardboard box of clothes, mailed my clothes ahead of me, brought my cat down, and then when I moved back, I had one car convertible, but it was like winter when I got up here. I had my cat and my dog in the front seat. It was a two-seater. Oh, you acquired a dog while you were down there. Yeah, yeah, my beloved Tabitha, and that was it. That was the only two times I drove out of there. I refused to ever. I thought it was the worst drive. So I flew all the time, um, you know, back and forth at least twice a year, yeah. if not three times, and then flew elsewhere. But yeah, so I really got into a routine of flying, and I think that helps a lot too. I don't know if I'll ever be completely comfortable. And I flew a lot in my days, but it never was an enjoyable thing. No, you got to have your you got to have your stuff. You got to treat yourself. You know, I, I gave myself a treatment before I went on that plane. If I can you're assure going, you, <laughs> if you're going to the Atlanta airport, give yourself at least two hours between flights. Go get a pedicure, sit in a like a massage chair, have lunch. Like, don't everybody wants to crunch it together when they do that connect to Atlanta? But that's literally the worst airport on the mm -hmm. face of the earth. It's mm -hmm. so big. Your flight's always like way across in a different you know it takes you like 30 minutes to get right, there so you're always right. running i always was running so now i take like four hours i relax it's way better take the day take enjoy the your day. enjoy yourself in take atlanta the, take the day <laughs> peach <Yeah>. tree <laughs> atlanta atlanta's a big city yeah yeah now you're back home so when you came back home was there had to be initial shock right because just the weather alone well, I moved back, I think it was like December 10th. So it was snowing here. It was freezing. Like I remember the moving guys coming in, it was like minus 12. <laughs> and I wasn't used to it. My body was totally different. And now it's funny because I'm the person who complains about the heat. Like I, I don't know what happened since mm -hmm. I've gotten older, but mm -hmm. I'm always like this weather today. I'm like this. Wasn't that biological? I, mean, I think so. Yeah, it's, it's been like five years where I just can't. I'm like, I wish it was 50. I want to move to Nova Scotia. <laughs> like, nice, I, I nice like, well, I like the cooler weather now. Like, I couldn't imagine being hot year round or being in a tropical climate again. The year humidity round. of Florida is what always got me. See, I love that because it's really good for your skin. So I just felt youthful. I was like, I have youth, water. It's because you're always perspiring. Yeah. Well, that's true, too. So it was a shock. Um, but it was really nice to be home with my family. I like bet. I moved back to Aspinwall, which my grandmother lived there, my mom, my aunts. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very small town, mm -hmm. and um, so I loved, I loved being home. I have not ever regretted, okay, leaving. And I'm always like, if I make a major life decision, it's like I have to make it right then. So it was like I finished the MMA fight. I'm like, what am I going to do now? I'm going to move home. Okay, <laughs> one month later, I'm out. I lived there for 10 years. I'm like, bye, everybody. I'm leaving. <laughs> what? I was like, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I gotta go. It's pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, but it just felt like the right time, you know? And Pittsburgh's great. Well, you gave it 10 years, right? Yeah. Almost 10 years. I was almost uh, okay. considered a Floridian, so I couldn't let that happen. Wait, what do you mean? After 10 years in Florida, you're considered like a Floridian by, like, they'll call you, like, I forget. Oh, is that just a thing or it's not the law or anything, right? It's just I a thing. Think so. I think it's just a thing. Okay. So you I wouldn't go back down there to, to retire? I'd probably be a snowbird. Mm. I don't think I'd ever want to give up living here, but I would love to go down there in the winter and, you know, mm -hmm. have fun. And I mean, that's what most of them are doing anyway. Yeah. Florida and Arizona. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Arizona's nice. 
Is it? I haven't been out that way. Drier. Hotter, but drier. Yeah. Well, I'll probably be, you know, be a little old bitty, so I'll need the heat by then. <laughs> yeah, retirement is, retirement's different today, though. I mean, I, I, we had, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. We had a, uh, this roundabout on a prior show where I guess 20 years ago you were hearing, oh, you know, 40s, the new 30. And you, that was a kind of a catchphrase 20 years ago. But I think that's what society's doing. I know I feel, I don't feel my age. I don't feel. I don't feel my age. Yeah. Like I think, um, and maybe, maybe we're just being stubborn. But. Well, I think that like, <clears throat> you know, I, being in my mid 30s, Everything's finally coming so together, though. Said that. <laughs> Being in my mid thirties, um, she'll be forty next month. <laughs> I'm actually thirty. I'll be all right. I'll tell the world I will be thirty nine next week. Next week. Come on, you got to give a lady a couple years there. Of course, of but, course. You know, I feel like my career chivalry. I've done so much in so many different avenues you know i've worked for magazines i've worked for film industry i've worked at a cartoon art museum i've done all kinds of different jobs and i've worked at an ice skating rink Mm -hmm. um but everything finally came together i feel like that's what your 30s are about is like finally your career starts to come together you kind of know what you want to do you're making more relationships and finally it's like all of those other experiences add up and they add together and now you're like, okay, I know what my life focus is from here. Mm-hmm. And it, it might change along the way a little bit, but you feel more settled in into a career rather than just kind of floating and trying to figure yourself out. Like okay. you have yourself figured out finally and you're you know, as you get older. So that's nice I think that's the mm-hmm. good part. And plus in your thirties you don't worry about stuff as much like Really? You worry about different stuff, I guess, but you know, the stuff you worried about in your 20s, you're like, that was oh, so silly. Well, certainly. Like, why was I worrying about any of that? So, yes. It's good. I would agree. The 20s were. The 20s are a decade where most people, not all, but I think most people are somewhat lost. Yeah. Because life gets thrust upon them in a big way. You go from mom and dad almost immediately to like. It's like. Snap of yeah. the finger, poof. Pay some it, it bills. Ta- it takes like 10 years to probably kind of maneuver that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's it's nice to be a little bit older and wiser, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And I've always been driven. Like, that's never been a problem for me. You know, I, I when I did work, I was like 23 when I worked for the magazine. And I remember I was interning there for free at, before I got a paid role. And then I'd go waitress. And then I'd go do a marketing gig until like two in the morning. So I was always going. And that's how I am now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I have kids now. So it's a little bit different. I try to like restrain myself to a couple nights a month to go out and have right. events. Right. Um, but I'm still always going. Whether I'm home with the kids or I'm out. Like, Certainly. I don't sit down. I mean, there's just not time for that because I have goals and I feel like now is the time. Like, seize the day. Now is the time to go after what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, not only for myself, but now I have kids to worry about. So they need need the stability as well as seeing mom go out. Like, that's why I, I mentioned before I am taking figure skating lessons. I made a new bucket list. It's a ridiculous <laughs> sport. I know most people are like, I don't even know a figure skater. This is, But it's a lot of fun. I have a coach and... I want my kids to see that. Be like, I don't care what age you are. Go out, 
do something that you never thought you'd do or you've always wanted to do. Like, don't make age, mm-hmm. don't make how old you are, what gender you are, any of that stuff. Stop you from doing whatever you want in life because it is short. I mean, it's you should do everything every day to like live your best life because you're only doing it once. Mm, absolutely right. And I think that we need to, as older folks, convey that to the younger folks, whether it's kids, whether it's teenagers, people in their 20s, that, uh, not to preach, of course, but when asked, I think you know the, frag- the fragility of life and how short that is, is should be easily visible to anyone if they're paying attention. Yeah. You know. I mean, I've had a year this year that, I mean, with COVID and everything else, that genuinely completely disrailed me for a while. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, rebuilding and figuring out where I want to go going forward, I think it was completely supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much muck and so much bad bad relationships and, and friendships and, and stuff that needed to be changed to level up to go to where I want to be. Okay. And I felt like I was always changing, but it really needed like a kickstart. So it's been, you know, I think COVID was a lesson for everybody. Let's talk about COVID a little bit. So right. where were you when, um, this has been an interesting question to ask people, where were you when you realized that, oh my God, what was on the news you know a month ago it was happening overseas it's like wait a second wait we're shutting down tomorrow yeah really? like where were you what was going on in your life at that moment when, when you realized that things are not going to be the same tomorrow that they are today well i was planning a top golf event for the okay. chamber of commerce <clears throat> and we were supposed to have an event and it basically i think it was the week before shut down and i was like oh okay we're all moving home. Okay, we're shutting down everything. Okay, we have to do this. And it was, I mean, I thought, I was scared for sure. I mean, we were like spraying everything down and the masks and the gloves and the gloves and the masks and the bleach. And you're like, it was overkill in the beginning. I'm sure a lot of households were, you know. All of us were. We were all really worried. And the way news media is, is, you know, this is their big topic too. So they're going to keep, I mean, it is scary. They need to inform us. But also, you know, some of the stuff is they're repeating the story all day long. And that's part of the news industry, but at the same time, constantly like putting that pressure on everybody that this terrible pandemic, and you know, they're going to use those buzzwords, these terrible pandemics coming upon us, and you really have to stay safe. It's unprecedented. Unprecedented. And you're watching Italy, which was the worst thing is Italy was just, you just couldn't imagine it. It was no. just like watching a horror show. And it's coming here. And, um, yeah, I think it, it definitely was really scary at first. I think as anything like that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but then things seemed to, I mean, not completely go away from that, but settle into a rhythm. Like it was the new normal. And so mm-hmm. now you had your hand sanitizer and, mm-hmm. you know, you did your thing. But, you know, I think everybody had to relax a little bit. They shut down. To survive. They shut down like society. That's the one yeah. thing that I couldn't grasp because... It was almost fathomable that certain portions of society, I guess we could as a society maybe shut down an industry or multiple industries or certain things, but to shut down society. It's crazy. I never thought that was even possible, well, and but I it think, happened. I think that's very unhealthy too. I mean, I'm an extrovert and I think that was one of the hardest things is the loneliness that comes from mm-hmm. not being around people. Mm-hmm. But you being in the real estate industry, I mean, I'm sure there's 
you know, we all know it's a seller's market right now. Mm-hmm. If you're putting your house up, it's probably going to go in a day. It's probably going to go above right. asking price. Right. But there isn't those homes yet that are available. I know that you, you know, the the industry is struggling a bit, but that's in complete, you know, the commercial real estate industry at the same time, they need that too. They need those employees to come back. So both of the no doubt. residential and commercial need those employees back. And the only way is to say, all right, lift restrictions, get your people back in the office. Yeah, we were, we were down for six, I don't know if it was six weeks or eight weeks. And I remember getting the call from my broker and I was talking with him and I said, we're not shut down because we are shut down. You can't do anything legally. You can't yeah. do anything. You can't contact a, a client. You can't show a house. You can't continue on the path with the current clients, even if they're midstreaming in closings in the inspection process. So it really, you know, and we, I, I'm sure most of us, hopefully most or all of us, hopefully the majority of agents did the right thing legally. I know I did, but it was painful and I felt bad for a lot of my clients and my job was to make it as less painful for them ultimately until we could open it, which we did. But boy, never thought that was even possible to tell real estate to shut down. And Pennsylvania was one of the last um, states to reopen or the last state to reopen for real estate. Governor Wolf deemed us completely non-essential and that was it. So I get it. You stay put. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just all kinds of like, consternation there but you know that'll flush itself out over time all the decisions that were made but we really as a society didn't have a plan for this right i mean no no there was absolutely no plan and now it's like well i hope this was a, a learning lesson I hope. that we need you know we have disaster relief programs for flooding and, and stuff like that well, what about a pandemic coming into town that just shuts us down i think we should have a pretty solidified plan of attack I know with my role in the chamber, I was mm-hmm. trying to get loans out to people as fast as possible and trying to match everybody up and give them information as right. soon as it came in because those people can't get unemployment if they're a business owner. Yeah. You know, they're just kind of hung out there to to do what they can. And oh, we had that we were, problem. We were trying to feed people. Like, there's mm-hmm. there. It's not just like the person in the low com- income bracket now that needed right. food. It was people you know that you ran into well, of course people that would just go i mean i'm an independent contractor you know unfortunate i wasn't in any immediate concern with this but it sucked but there are people that are independent contractors that that are living you know month to month and those folks in all walks of life different industries they went from you know living and, and scratching out a life for that, themselves to having nothing yeah i mean that's horrifying. <clears throat> it is. It is. And there wasn't a way around it. It's not like they could go get another job. It was, mm-hmm. I mean, they there was some opportunity, but most of it, everything shut down and was just like, we're going to stay put exactly like this for one year. Mm-hmm. And it's been a year now. I mean, we, we're, you know, we're uh, end of uh, May here. We're filming this. It's been a little over a year. And do you feel we're coming back? Do you feel? I the- do. I do feel like, I mean, in terms of the commercial real estate market, I know they're coming back. As soon as they start getting the employees back in, I think that's when people start moving from the residences. I think they're pretty much hand in hand, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting people out of their homes. The people who are still at home, they're going to still be at home. They're not going to sell their homes. But once everybody starts kind of integrating back into society, I think that's when you're going to get 
the movement coming back. I just think it's going to be, I think it's going to start now that mask restrictions are off and, and you know, the mm-hmm. restrictions are off, but it's going to take a year to rebound. I mean, I know before this, I've worked with real estate clients and they were posting a new house like every day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was, it was so the market crazy. completely changed. Yeah. I and, think it's going to be not going to bounce back to that, but I think over the next couple of years, we're going to start seeing things pick up. I already know that in my region in the South Hills, People are building buildings again. People are moving in. People are starting to get back to their activities. I think that definitely residential construction needs to resume to help offset uh, the lack of housing. I think that needs to happen. But we're seeing price spikes, and there's there's some obstacles. But those things will flesh themselves out. I do have some concerns about commercial, though, because I I wonder how much was learned during the pandemic with these firms that they might not have to house as many people as, many. as they had Yeah, prior. with the hybrid schedules. What do you think? I mean, I've been back in the office now for quite some time, and even with Rocco, I think, since December, and um, we'll get to him in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, of course. But uh, I'm so much more productive in office than I am at I home. I think most people are, right? I, would I think, think so. Not everybody, but most Maybe people. Maybe not everybody. And I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I run my own business that's out of my house. So I right. know what it's like to be productive, get stuff done quickly. You know, I'm on a time frame. I have two little boys. I have three jobs. I'm going, 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 as I said. Um, but I still would do laundry and, like, make a breakfast. And, mm-hmm. like, normally I'd, like, prep ahead and have it ready to go. You know, it's just more efficient. Yeah. And my work schedule was more efficient because I had to get stuff done in the office. And then when you're home, you're distracted. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's as effective for employers to have everybody at home. However, you'll have that pocket of people who worked really well at home and haven't yeah. changed. So you do know. you think the landscape's going to look different maybe a year, two, three from now where you'll have a lot of optional circumstances for employers, or excuse me, for employees to work from home as opposed to coming in? Will there be situations? I think there'll just be more grace about it. I think being tied down to a desk from eight to four might be, might not be as prevalent as it was, but I still think they're going to have a desk and, and, you know, it just, they might not need as much office space, but they're still going to have a desk. They're still going to have a place to come. They still have to go to meetings. It's nobody wants to be on zoom anymore. Because it's so bad. Oh, I know. I know. And I run Zoom meetings and and they're informative and there's great people on them, but it's still Zoom. It's not in person. Right. And, um, you know, I've gone to a couple in-person events this week and what a difference. Oh, yeah. Everybody was smiling. It's like, I think people are going to look really forward to coming back, being in person, being in an office. I think so. And getting out of their homes. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And and it's it's one of the lessons I think that um, we hope to learn from this would be the interpersonal relationship, the need for that. Yeah. You know, for, for most people, again, there's no absolutes in conversation, but for most people, I believe. And I would hope that we're a little more grateful for things. I would hope. I think so. I mean, I know I am. That's for sure. I have a a lot more gratitude for the day to day, for the hour to hour than I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. I think that, you know, this experience has been a challenge to think 
what could happen tomorrow? Like, what if there isn't a tomorrow? So why are we, you know, we've had such a scope before this pandemic came in of, we have so much time. Like we have a whole year or six months to do this. And instead now we're like, we might not. Yeah. So we shouldn't wait. Like it's, it's time to live. And I think that, I mean, the roaring twenties, I, I do think that people uh, will be too. thrilled to be alive and out. I and hope. I hope so. I mean, I we hope. hope the second wave doesn't come into town or, you know, that they have overseas. But I think, you know, just seeing people as they are. And I know some people t- take more time to get back into society. Um, you know, I think that everybody's going to be just so happy to be alive. And, mm-hmm. you know, things don't feel strange. I would say it doesn't feel weird to go out and see people again. It feels like I've missed it. Yeah, I think the masks, um, and this has nothing to do with their validity or non-validity, or that whole discussion is just nothing that interests me. But I think the visuals of the masks mm-hmm. is that one barrier still that makes it feel really <clears throat> unnormal. Not It makes it feel the experience not normal. And once that eventually goes away, I think that'll be the, the issue or the reissue of nor- normalcy. Well, and I am a person who does not like, I I do like wearing sunglasses, but I don't like sunglasses on people Mm -hmm. that I'm talking to. I definitely don't like masks. (laughs) I was wearing, I wore one of those clear masks for a while because I said, this is friendlier. I miss people's faces and I don't like sunglasses. Oh, now you put on the sunglasses. Well, now I can't trust you. But you can't see a person's eyes. You can't see how their mouths are moving. It's like, is that you what know, it is? Like, it why is. Do rock it's not stars, as trustworthy. Why do rock stars always wear them in interviews all the time? Oh, because it's really cool to wear sunglasses in interviews. Is that it? <laughs> I mean, is it, the, is it the, they don't want people reading their eyes? Is it because that makes them look older? Their eyes, their aging rock stars especially put sunglasses on for interviews. Yeah. It drives me insane. Or they're Little doing recreational activities right well, before yeah, their interviews. That, yeah, I don't think that a lot of that goes on anymore. I think hopefully people are a little more wise about their health, even in music. But who knows? Well, that's good. That's a good thing. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But I've never, like, sunglasses on other people when I'm talking to them. Can you just, like, take this off? Because I just feel feel like you can't get to know somebody if you don't see their whole face. Of course. So So that's why I don't like the mask. Plus, I couldn't wear lipstick, so... You're going to see a lot of lipstick on this girl for a while. Well, the, ma- the mask is hard. I was out working with clients and, you know, doing all the social distancing and the all the hand sanitizer and the booties. And there was gloves for a while. For sh- It was just nuts. Yeah. Doing all that. But, but I didn't realize how much I needed to see my clients' facial expressions in my conversations with them at yeah. properties. And not seeing that... And with some of these folks just not knowing what the hell they're thinking. Yeah. Because I can't, you can't see anything. You can't see anything. How can you trust somebody you can't see? Because visuals and like meeting people, that's huge. Like you immediately, like they can say, oh, you know, first impressions, first appearances. Mm -hmm. Everybody judges everybody on their appearance. Snap judgment right away. It says within like three seconds, you're like, this is this person. (laughs) And then, it, you know, some people you, like, change as you go. But generally speaking, have those people changed in your perspective? Like, yeah. some people might surprise you. But generally speaking, you're you're pretty much, that's the yeah. person you met. That's the person they're going to be. Right. That's what you have. So, right. um, you know, it's important to 
get rid of the mask so we can start getting to know people again because I feel like you you still you could have ran into 15 people in a Mm. grocery store that you would normally talk to exactly right. no one's talking to each other because you're like I don't know this person and I'm never going to recognize them again because I can't (laughs) see their face exactly right excuse me can you just show me your face briefly and then you can put the mask back on thank you (gasps) and it's crazy too is that I would go to in the winter I would have like a skull cap on you know and then I would have this mask on and I was wearing yes I was the guy wearing the black gator mask I know they're not effective but I wore them how dare you but I had that on and then I had sunglasses if it was sunny out and I would just go run into the Whole Foods or Giant Eagle and run in and then I got, I kind of glanced at myself in the mirror. I'm like, holy shit! You can't. I, I'm completely invisible. Yeah. I, Sunglasses, I've gator mask, <laughs> and skull cap. I mean, these cashiers got to be freaked out of their mind. No, I've gone into stores with my sunglasses and my mask like more than once, and I'm like, I look like the invisible person. <laughs> yeah, or else I'm robbing the joint. I'm you like, know? I'm so sorry. I take it. I take my sunglasses off. Have you spoken to anyone in your sphere during COVID who is actively dating? And I'm I'm dying to know how that went. Whether it was online dating, whether it was it wasn't, whether it was just how did the whole dating experience, especially for middle aged folk, I wonder really how that went these last twelve months. Because think about it. I mean, you go, you meet, or do you meet? Are you afraid to meet? Are some people afraid? Or some people aren't? Some were wearing masks. Some aren't. How did that work? I have no idea. I don't know anybody who is dating. Honestly, I got to get somebody on this show to you let do. me know how the hell that I went. I want to know. I want to know. I too. bet they just went out because they're if they're like on dating sites or something, then they're People definitely like match.com photos. They really want to meet somebody. Well, could you imagine being a single person who was sent home <laughs> from work, working at home by themselves with and they live alone? Right. You'd be like, um, I can't. I'm going to. I need to go date somebody. You know, well, yeah. <laughs> like, just the, I mean, think about the, the, the depression. I mean, think about it. if you were yeah. a person that was already struggling with relationships, and you're a single person, and you're out there and you're frustrated trying to find a mate or trying to at least, with no intention of maybe marriage, but just finding someone to have a relationship with. Find you know, your COVID love. Maybe find your, like, well, think about being told that now you're quarantined, you can't go to work, and you got to stay in your apartment. Maybe they just like you know put up a piece of plexiglass between them and just mouth things at each other like yes it's nice to get to know you i guarantee shit like that had to have happened there's no doubt but for a while no one was sitting in a bar right the bars no. we weren't allowed to sit like in a what bar. were their dates like i like to, welcome we need to know i've sanitized this side of the couch for you <laughs> and i've indi- individually wrapped up your your to-go box Oh, that I have not touched. Right? That is great. <laughs> yeah. How do you? How do you? I. Uh, that seems just. Here's the here's the last touch though. They they presented them with like gifted mon- monogrammed masks and gloves. They're like, here, I've brought this for you. I'll pass it underneath this, yeah. the divider. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure some of them just were like. I don't care about COVID, and they just. I would think yeah. they'd have to be though. But but where do you go? You like you just have to go to their house. I would not feel comfortable if I was like a single person meeting somebody I've never met and been like, "Will you want to come to my house?" No, I don't. I yeah, want to go to a that, public place. How did that work? Inquiring minds want to know what was the <laughs> online dating experience? Yes, under during this, COVID. Under this post on Facebook, LinkedIn, I'm not sure where you post Instagram. Please. 
If you've been dating during COVID, let us know how it went. You might be on Eric McKenna's show. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just plugged your show for you. I'm you just, sorry. Yeah, you just did. That's a fantastic <laughs> idea, man. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Get them talking. Like, we want to know. But what how, it was like. how the hell will they have done it? I mean, I don't know why I didn't dive into this mentally or like months ago, but I, it's fascinating. Like, why? What did they do? They they made a relationship with Netflix, food, eight, and hopefully, hopefully, some of them found like you know a good um, distraction of some some kind. Like, did um? Do you think that there was not enough? I don't know, uh, information or suggestions or uh, rules from the government on nutrition and vitamins and exercise and things like that during this. Because all we heard was there's going to be a shot in the arm that's going to take care of you, which I'm not an anti-vaxxer at all. I'm on board with science. But I'm saying that there wasn't much discussion from the government about obesity, better diet, mental health. Yeah. Exercise, getting some nutrition in your system. None of that was addressed at all. I mean, like specifically addressed for the pandemic in conjunction with social distancing and and not being able to do yoga in person and I guess. I mean, I, I focused guess. you know, the chamber completely turned around um within the first few weeks. Immediately, I became, instead of an event planner, uh, I became an advocate and pushing all of these loans and all of this information and unemployment and, you know, trying to get people in, trying to get experts in to help all of the members in in the business community. And then towards, you know, things slowed down media-wise, probably around, I would say, June or July, it kind of shifted a little bit. And so I started bringing in a yoga instructor, a meditation guide, like people to help with the stress levels of what was happening well, certainly, now. Certainly. So I did focus on, at least for the chamber members, on you know dealing with their, their spiritual side, their mental health side, their exercise. I mean, that's huge. If you're working out at home, you have to be home. Like, get some fitness in somehow. Like, do something to be active. Right. Because the more you sit at home, the more depressed, especially if you're an extrovert like me. That was extremely hard. I know that now I'm going to talk about Rocco. Mm-hmm. Hello, Rocco Coza, Coza Hello, Law Rocco Group. Coza. So my third side hustle, I work for <laughs> Coza Law Group. Um, and Rocco's a pretty, I mean, he's been on this show multiple times. If I ever had a regular, he's up there. Yes, so. fantastic business legal attorney. And uh, the other lawyers in his group are great. And of course, Mia. I'm going to give you a shout out, Mia. And... Um, you know, coming in there in December, that was my first, like, the chamber, we were alternating days. I never saw my administrator. Okay. And, you know, I went into the office with Rocco and the crew, and um, it was a huge turnaround for me that, oh, my gosh, there's life, and there's jokes, and there's, you know, we're discussing concepts, and and we're planning for, for this you know, law group and how we're going to do the marketing for it. And he'll be very proud of me that I said law group because I always want to say law firm. And um, but, Law group. But it is a huge difference just interacting with people in person. And I think you cannot replace that via Zoom. You cannot replace that. I Thank you. So that's why I'm saying the commercial real estate industry has to come back. It's going to make a comeback. I think hybrid will be on its way out. I think Zoom, some Zoom meetings will be there to stay because... 
honestly, my schedule is so busy. Yeah, for efficiency. Like going for coffee, driving to the coffee, having the coffee, it takes up to two hours, an hour and a half. I don't have an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Whenever I could do a half hour Zoom, bust out everything that we need and then get on. You know, it's a lot more efficient in that term of like the little one-to-one meetings. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be out, but that can be done in the office as well. You know, Mm -hmm. I think there's a big... You're not going to feel connected to your job unless you're in person at your job. Yes, I would agree. Right? I would agree. Yeah, it, there's no way that that we can put a seismic shift into society and then start dictating that the world runs via Skype and Zoom. That's insanity. I mean, yeah. it, that was a stopgap to get us through and keep us functional during a time that we couldn't be around each other. But that time is slowly coming to yes. an end. And yes. it's time to use this as a tool. You know what's real depressing to me? Um, not depressing, but uh, you know, it's an annoyance, I should say. We have all this technology today doing crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, Elon Musk is nuts, right? But we still don't have high-speed data connectivity good enough to create software to provide a real HD experience, a real HD or super HD experience on the video conferencing. It still looks like shit. It still sounds like shit. And this is the reason I will never do one of my shows virtually. I just well, and I, I've been doing my my show on Zoom, and it is you know my hair is half missing because it's blonde because it picks up on the light tones. Um, I do think that. If you're out there listening, Mac and Windows, uh, that's the next concept, is the next computers are going to be very expensive, and the cameras and the software in them is going to be so high-tech that it will be HD. I think that's going to be the wave of the future when it comes to the computers is how can should they do better? Had this, we though. should have already had it, but I, don't, I think now we're so dependent on these computers that it's like you have to upgrade them. They have to be able to serve that purpose that I did a ribbon cutting virtually this week and I have big scissors, right? It's like my favorite Those thing. Those things actually work really prop. Mine are so sharp. So they actually cut. I always wonder about those, well, dumb, those Dumbo scissors. Year, when I first started with the chamber, mine were completely dull and wouldn't cut anything. And I was like, everybody just hold it really tight. <laughs> and I'd pre-cut the ribbon. So you cheat. I know. I'd be like, all right, you have to cut it right here. Okay, okay everybody smile. Okay, great. Now I have these brand new, like, enormous blue scissors, like blue handled scissors with the silver right. cutters. Right, um, right, 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 right. I was at a ribbon cutting last week for Millie's homemade ice cream out in South Fayette, and I like handed the girl the the new owner um, the scissors, and I mean, we didn't even she didn't mean to, but it almost cut right through the ribbon. I was like, I only have one, one ribbon. <laughs> like they're so sharp. So I mean, they're 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 very useful. I could like trim hedges, give haircuts, COVID cuts. I did some of those. I'm a terrible, and you ha- don't even terrible have to close hairdresser. To person, right? Oh my gosh. I mean, I really... How did you maneuver all that? Cause I'm, you know, I gave some bad haircuts. <laughs> don't you think Even the dog had a bad haircut. A of bad haircuts out there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I should not do... Um... What an industry that got killed. <laughs> they got killed. I know. I know the barbershop still hasn't re- rebounded. I know a couple of the hair salons. Um... But it'll come back. I have to get my yeah. hair done. I'll be there soon. Yeah, me too. I quit doing that. What? Yeah, Why? Just all, all natural. 
Well, it looks gorgeous. I mean, thank you. You're welcome. I'll just try to keep my dome from having too many lumps, <laughs> you know. Because that was pointed out to me that some guy goes to me, he goes, you know, did you ever look around? A lot of bald men really shouldn't be bald. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, there's some really lumpy heads out there. Oh, I know. And now all of a sudden, now my, of course, now my brain is all like. Well, they say that, that bald <laughs> men are more respected and make more money. So it's a good thing. Oh, really? Yes. How's You're very possible? distinguished. I find you very debonair with your, your fully, fully showing your, I guess, brain capacity to the world. Congratulations. Is that what it does? I don't know. I'm just trying I, to I'm make you feel better. Now. I'm colder now. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I let that that <laughs> ship sail. I used to. Have, I had good. I'm a kid of the '70s, early '80s. So I had the long hair, yeah. the rock hair. All it right. was great, man. I had this middle part feather back. It was nice. So when I say I miss it, I mean, I have something to look back at when I really had it. Like, if you're a guy that always got short haircuts your whole life, you don't miss it. Yeah. I miss it. I'm, I'm I, over it, but I kind of miss it. I have always had baby fine hair. Okay. Apparently, I have a lot of it. It's not thin. It's baby fine. And um, the girls I went to school with in elementary school had this thick, luxurious <laughs> Long hair, and I could. Ne- I still cannot grow my hair past my shoulders. It just breaks because it's so fine, it's so teeny. And so I've always hated my hair, and now I have it short. And I'm like, nothing like being 38 years old and having short. Because you just automatically think of like an older woman. But now I call it my power cut. So it's my power cut. That was a thing years ago, though, right? Women yeah. of a certain age weren't supposed to have long, long hair. hair. Well, that was a I thing. probably should have never had. I mean, it's it's fine. It just it's not thick. So <laughs> I've given up on. You know, men get bald, women get Join short hair. Yeah, it's, it's just easier. I call it my shave power cut off. now, though. I think women should just all shave their hair off too. If we all look the same, everybody would, would be. Sh- it's no. like that on an episode of Friends. She, she bicks her head. Um, I never saw funny. that. Shit I don't off. think I do that. I was a sign. I don't think I want to go that far. Yeah. But I think also as a woman gets older, like you don't care as much about like you Brittany care about that, right? what you look like yeah. do a britney <laughs> 2007 britney you're my girl brit and she's never recovered from that. she's now i've seen her on on instagram and she yeah there's there's something i feel bad i think she went through a lot of stress and Probably. i think it just bubbled it's over your old man stole yeah all our money but hey what do i know and her mom i thought her mom was awesome and then i i started watching that thing and her mom celebrity you, you don't know what to believe though I just feel like she just got very overwhelmed and. Well, so celebrity in general, right? Yeah. What do you think the the problem is? Let's talk problems for a second. You're a very positive person. But I'll put you on the spot a little bit. Like the social media culture we're in. Uh, why are we screwing it up? Because to me, it's an unbelievable tool if it was used mm-hmm. for good. Just the way that we can all interconnect and share our lives uh, with each other. And whether it's children, our activities, all that stuff could be amazing. It's yes. like, and it's cause I think it does play to the ego of everyone because everyone wants to contribute, whether it's broadly or whether it's a little bit. Yeah. The human, we all want to contribute something. And I think that social media gives us the ability to do that, but it's so bastardized. And it's now, it's now oftentimes, sometimes it's not, it's not used for good. Yeah, it's well, not. I mean, Facebook is, is, I do, you know, the people I, I've gone through my list this year cut a lot of 
people, I mean, it got to the point where you, everybody's adding everybody they didn't even know to mm-hmm. like build your network. Well, then you have your kid fit photos and stuff on there. But then the other way of thinking of, you know, you're putting your kid online. Most of most of the people who are on my, I know, I know pretty well, they're yeah. friends, family. Like we don't connect. I see their kids. Everybody's kids are on there. Um, there isn't really that big of a difference. You're, if you take your kid to a park with a ton of people, I agree. You're showing people, yeah, everybody there, and they're uh, strangers. Absolutely, so, I agree with that. Um, but like I've said, LinkedIn, uh, I love you, LinkedIn. You're my, mm. you're my boy. <laughs> like, I do great on LinkedIn. I think it's just the best business network. It's very business focused. Right. Um, and how have they kept that from not becoming this big social party? Because people have tried. Yeah. I've seen some posts on there that were kind of cringeworthy on LinkedIn. Like, wow, this and, doesn't and belong here. And it's starting here. to like leak in there a little bit. I have noticed that you know certain stuff like Facebook, where it's a little more kitschy or cute, right. comes in, and I'm like, yeah, all right, that's what Facebook is for. And Instagram, you know, that's that's visual. So some of the companies who don't do that well on Facebook or LinkedIn, who do really visual stuff like art companies or print right. design, where right. they're going to be on Facebook like. I print t-shirts, but instead they could show their t-shirts right. and, and get a following. Um, I think it's great, and I think it's definitely on the rise. TikTok is just fun. I, I still haven't done it because I think I'd get addicted to it. And um, <clears throat> I think social media can be a great tool. And, you know, I say every night I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to, I have, right now I have Bridgerton. I love that show. But um, I have a book, and I'm like, I'm going to read this book. And I was an English major. I've read... 700 titles at least i mean at the very least i was reading tons and tons and tons of books but now i'm like or i'll go on instagram and scroll that for a while like a few things <laughs> say hi to her it's addicting it is but it's also soothing if you ever notice your blood pressure probably goes down because a lot of it if you have the right anybody who's not making you happy on social media just delete just delete 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 get rid of them there's no reason those right. there's political people or snooze for 30 days is my favorite too um, don't have anybody in front of you that's making you upset. Like, I don't know why people continue in online relationships, especially that are more loosely advice. based. It's good advice. Get rid of them. Like, they're not going to be that mad. I mean, maybe you'll see them and be like, oh, yeah, well, whatever. I just, I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, whatever you want to say. Like, don't keep negativity. My social media at this point, it's a lot of positivity. Like, right. everybody's... But you have and, to curate that. And yeah, there's, I mean, there's stuff always going on behind the scenes, but we share that too. You know, I have people who are going through cancer and mm-hmm. chemotherapy right now, and we have groups together to of like course. do things for them. And, and, you know, we're constantly trying to back each other up. So I think it's a great resource in like keeping up with everybody, especially with COVID. What if there was no social media? Mm. We would have been completely isolated. It would have been awful. It had so, this happen like 25 years ago, right? Yeah. But I've moved and like my friends have moved. So there's a ton of people on there that I get to connect with that I wouldn't otherwise and see their kids. Mm -hmm. Which I think is the essence of just people sharing their lives. When it became an opinion um, outlet, that's when I think it gets a little dicey. Yeah. I don't know. And then, of course, we just went through a seismic election and a lot of people, you know, on both sides of the equation feel things are right or wrong and everybody thinks that their viewpoints the right the right viewpoint the correct viewpoint it's just it's caustic at yeah. times yeah at oh times. there's certain people for sure um especially people who post the angry life posts angry they, life like they hate like 
the the divorcee women. Mm. And I'm not trying. Like I totally understand, and we're all relating if we need to. But like posting out that he's an so you know SOB, and <laughs> I don't know if I could say that. Oh, on some podcast. of that shit is comical though. I mean, oh I, my god, I have yeah, seen but sometimes some stories it's all that are the time. Unbelievable though. I mean, like, yeah. well, I there's random strangers that somehow I get connected on Facebook, or they sent me a friend request or something long time ago and I never really met them in person so I don't know them but I know them online and all of a sudden you see some massive drama and it just starts playing off and it's going back and forth and I'm trying to and this is how like bored I was during COVID I'm I'm at home trying to figure out like okay so is she talking about him or did this happen and I'm looking at the timeline I'm spending hours trying to figure out (laughs) what drama is happening between these three people I love I belong to these (laughs) I belong to these mom groups and they will like I forget there's there's something will happen and the one mom says something derogatory about the other mom and it's like claws come out and like you're putting up the michael jackson eating popcorn in the oh, theater yeah. you're like what is happening <laughs> this is great because i don't know these people at all like i'm just gonna sit here and watch this and you're like watching people like dig and the other people are like defending each other and it's fantastic people don't i shouldn't say people some people Yes. When it comes to technology are, you know, at different levels of understanding how this all works, the internet. Some people use the internet for specific things, but don't understand the internet in its entirety. Sure. Even today. It's enormous. So I mean, they're using the internet to spout off, not understanding, I mean, really understanding yeah. that it's going to anyone. Yeah. Anyone. Yeah. And I think if they really understood maybe they wouldn't do it yes there is a a politeness there's a social politeness that you need to understand before ever getting on social media that you need to follow (laughs) you think yes it has to be (laughs) and and you know i've i've i'm sure i've been caught up in stuff and been like oh i gotta delete that now especially in my position at this point i can't post anything of yeah. any like real opinion on there i just kind of hang back a little I have to be, and this show gives me a little bit of an outlet too but i but i'm really blessed in the fact that i don't like extremes at all yeah. so i've always kind of been in the middle of of thought pulling from you know a liberal bent sometimes pulling from a conservative bent but generally wading in the middle and in, in, in very indifferent in a lot of ways, too. And I don't mean that in a cutting way. I'm just a very indifferent person when it comes to things that I can't control and um, that really I don't deem to be so important in my life that I can't spend lots of time debating it internally. It's not worth it to me. So I can maneuver life in that regard pretty well, and the rest of it's just background noise. But I feel badly for people that are just so wrapped up into either side their yeah. guy or their gal or you know their cause or their where the, that's all their identity is and they wear it as a badge and I think yeah. you can really do yourself long term harm socially mentally by living that way you I know? mean I agree I agree and it's like they almost it, it feels a part of them they want it to be a part of them but that's not what people are you aren't a cause you aren't I mean there's exactly you aren't it's exactly. a part of you and everybody has their causes. Everybody has their stuff that they defend and believe. But it's mm-hmm. not. It shouldn't identify you yeah, as like a person. What, what about the, the the phenomenon that we're not our choices? Like we, there's big choices, landmark choices in your life, and inconsequential choices, like what you're going to have for lunch today. 
But in reality, you're really not your choices because you have the ability through free will and reasoning that everybody should practice that to change your mind. So what you believe today that you think you believe, there's a good chance you may not believe that tomorrow or 10 years from now. So are you really what your choices are? are Are you really defined by what you think is the right thing today? I would say no. And I think when you don't understand that, sure, it really causes some well, problems. I think there's two ways to make choices. There's educated choices and then there's impulsive choices. So mm-hmm. um, I do think if you're doing an impulsive choice, then you could that, that could absolutely change. That could change in three months if somebody goes, oh, yeah, but have you thought of it this way? Like, what did you say about the plane that I said? I never thought of it like that. You know, that can immediately change the way you've always thought of something. Mm-hmm. But if it's an educated choice... Then you go through the line of learning before you make that choice. And that is going to be a lot harder to change down the road because you've done the time, you've done the research, you've looked at it from your perspective, from outside perspective, and came up with why you're making the choice. So I think that's that makes more sense to do it that way. But at the same time, are you living your life if you're always making these really long, drawn-out, educated choices? Like, Still jump out of a plane. Spend the time That's I'm it. not going to think that one through. I'm just going to do it. Like, sometimes that's you just got to do insane it. insane to me, but that's... I get it. <laughs> well, I think having your core beliefs, and, and Rocco and I have bounced this around dozens of times, that there's not enough practice of good folks crafting a personal philosophy even if they have to write it down what do i believe as a person about my life and when you're not when you're not centered in anything knowing that that can adapt and change as life takes you but if you're not centered or principled and you how can you really then go out and maneuver effectively you know because you're constantly being you're i think you become too susceptible to any whim that comes along I think the society maneuvers that way. I th- they yeah. say, oh, look at that dog on Facebook. That's a dog. I should go look at a dog just like that. That's cute. Yes. And they rush out and get a dog without doing any research. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm totally related it, to that one right now. Though, but I mean, I, I'm just saying that, we, that impulse thing, the prisons are full of people that did not practice impulse control. Would exactly. you not agree? I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, you have to sit back and... And if you believe in God, you do. Or if you believe in something, you have to have a value or a core or something that makes you make the choices that you have. I would hope. But that doesn't always happen. There's people who don't, they don't focus on the long term or the beauty of life or kindness. You know, Rocco said that before. Mm -hmm. If you focus on being kind to everybody, whether personally, grocery store, church, work, that comes back to you, mm-hmm. you know, so you're going to build your business because you're kind. You're doing better for everybody around you, which also makes you happier. Mm-hmm. And you being kind to yourself makes you happier. Like you have to be kind to yourself. You yeah. cannot absolutely put yourself down constantly. You have to get some confidence in yourself through just being nice to yourself, giving yourself grace, giving yourself time. I mean, everybody messes up. Everybody has their things. Everybody has a hard time, but you have to figure out a way to get through it and you have to do it with a little grace i think that's good advice i don't know if i completely went off topic there no we have no topic here we never have topics we just this is free form at its finest that's good that's that's Uh, nice i don't think a lot of people love themselves not to get real esoteric but i think a lot of people are hard 
too hard on themselves. And I'm not saying that that's an excuse for laziness. That's not what I mean. But I think what I, what I believe to be is that people don't exude the kindness that I'd like to see in society because they're not being kind to themselves. They can't be kind to anybody else because they're not even treating themselves kindly. Well, and I read this post the other day, probably in either, I'm like in Italian groups or... <laughs> in what? The, the Italian groups. Oh my gosh, they're hilarious. The but they Italian always make me groups. pray. They're always like, pray for my everybody. Everybody <laughs> always always praying on there. Um, and then the I moms groups. I my shoes. I don't know where I put them. And somebody put like a <laughs> meme up there and it said something along the lines like, you can do a good deed, but the second you put it on social media, it's all about you. And then I was like, no. no. I was like, because if you, you know, if you're a person in my position where I have a lot of people following me, and same with you, mm. if you put out, hey, I donated to this cause, you and should here's too. Why. Here's the yeah, info. Absolutely. Tons more people will do it. Yeah. Like you're yeah. you're sharing a good idea. Sharing you're doing. a good idea. And you're, and it's valid because you're showing people, look, I'm not just telling you to do something. I'm not asking you to do something that I have not already done. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's the thing. Now, if you put out there like I donated this T-shirt because I'm pretty much the most awesome person on the planet, like probably that's. I mean, you still might get somebody else to donate because they're the awesomest person on the planet too. But my you know. guess is going to be the person. If you were to put on social media or you were to share that you know you made a contribution to this charity, and here's why, and I would encourage you while there's a lot of great causes, if you find it in your heart that you want to do something for someone else, here would be a good idea. Here it is. If somebody looks at that as that's somehow self-serving, then number one, they were never the type of person that would think enough about someone else to donate anyways. Yeah. You know, the the, the negativity is going to come from people that are not really in the conversation. Right? And, and people, that no way, matter what it is in life, they will always complain. A certain like segment, there's yeah. Just, somebody will find something to complain about. So you always have to let that roll off. I did, I did a video game show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't Google it. Don't YouTube it. I did a video game show Mandy back in the Pryor. day. Back video game show. No, I was Google not search. Mandy. I was not Mandy Pryor then. So wait, uh, I just look, gave look, you more secrets. Anyway, look, look up the maiden name. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, kind of funny, but I am not a video game person at all. Okay. You like? I'll play with my son because he's four, but he's better than me already. I play occasionally because it's, it's fun for us. We do Mario Kart. But it's um, a good game. That's the only game I know. It was on the Wii. That's pretty much, yeah. That's it was on the Wii. I get laughed at when I say that because people say that's not even a thing anymore. I'm like, well. I still have my Wii and I love it. I play, I use there it There you the go. Time, it was so. the white console, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, with my kid, I don't, I don't play on my own. So, um, I'm on this video game show and I was brand new out of Art Institute. It was right when I moved back here and I don't know video games. But they were like, we'll hire you to be on camera and pay you a salary. And I was like, this sounds great. I'll do it. Okay. Um, well, the people on YouTube just ripped me apart. <laughs> I mean. Of course. It was like three months of just, I mean, from my appearance to oh, really? yeah, what you, I was saying. And I was just YouTube like YouTube comments are like a wasteland. Oh, my gosh. You it's can't. You cannot read them. Like, if I wouldn't have read that first one, I wouldn't have seen the 500 other ones. And I was like, yeah, I'm just. That's like a wasteland. I'm like the worst. Like, you know, especially right. just coming out of school right. doing it. Right. And now I'm like, whatever. You know, you have to get to that point. Um, there is that the one book. And, and I've had a hard year this year. Um the art of not giving, and I'm not going to yeah, say the, I have the, the book. word. I've read it, and I hate audiobooks. 
Like, I will buy them, mm-hmm. and then I don't listen to them. It started slow, but it got good. Yeah. Well, I so I, I think I, like, listened to it for a little mm-hmm. bit, besides the point. This year, in the last two months, I have... I have honestly said to myself, I have conquered the art of not giving a... Right. Like, it's finally here. I'm like, I really, I can't, you know, you cannot change what's going, like, you can do your actions, your planned Mm -hmm. actions, make your life choices, but there's some stuff that's just out of your control, no matter what you do. I think most of it, yeah. You just can't. So you have to just... Out of our control. Be happy in the moment, be happy every day for whatever. There's always something to say that you're grateful um, no matter what your life circumstance, it yeah. could be worse. Yeah. And there's always worse. And you, if you look long enough on Instagram or in LinkedIn even, you'll see the worst. And you're like, that person's going through. Like, that has to be a harder day than mine. Like, And if you think that way, you always find happiness. We, we do. And I think there's an element of the human condition that breeds that nasty thing of selfishness. that we All of us have it. It's just, do we... Are we able to suppress it and rechannel our energy doing something else? But there's that selfish part of the human condition that, mm-hmm. you know, that it's <clears throat> like, you know, what um, selfishness in that we do have empathy and sympathy for people going through tough times. We have we have the ability to do that. And, and some people are really good at doing that. But there's still that selfishness, like when it's our going our time going through something tough, even if it really isn't that tough that me 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 thing is like you know well i think it's it's there i think it's, it's a human factor selfishness you have to have it as part of you because you wouldn't do you wouldn't do this show mm-hmm. i wouldn't do what i do if there wasn't a bit of selfishness because you yes. have to you're still an individual person and i think you have to break it down to your individual self mm-hmm. Because you're the only person at the end of this life who's going to be in your life. That is so true. There is, is a book by Ayn Rand, and whether you know people like her philosophy or not uh, of objectivism, but there, she has a small book called The Virtue of Selfishness. And I read it when I was 18, and I've read, I've, uh, read it multiple times since. And I've kind of changed my opinion of her overall philosophy in general. Um, fascinating woman, but that book, The Art of Selfishness, was an eye-opener for me, and to this day is still a landmark reading for me. And it really made me understand why I'm compelled to do the things I need to do, and I I don't find anything evil about finding something that I enjoy and pursuing it, and as long as I'm not hurting anybody, yeah. and if I deem it to be valuable, that's good enough. Yes. That's good enough. I mean, you know, like... Figure skating, I'm not doing anything for anyone else when I do that. But I love it. And it doesn't hurt a single person. And Except the toes, right? It's kind of hard on the toes? No, not really. Um, no, I mean, it might, my feet get a little sore. but You did a whole spin thing, like get in the center and I spin actually, on real fast? I had a, I've been working on it for four months. And my spin, like the, the what you really want to do is get a circle that spins in a circle like this. Like in a, mm-hmm. you know, a perfect circle. Mm-hmm. And for months, it's been like, 
Like I'm like all across the ice. I'm like, where am I going? And today I, I actually pulled, there's a little 70 year old. So everybody I skate with is like over 21 years old and up to 70. Okay. And all different levels. It's great. I mean, they're at competitions today. So there's competitions for right. older people. That's my goal. I want to do a competition. I never got to do one. Right on. Um, but I like pulled them. I was like, you got to see this. I was like, look at that, because it's carved into the ice. Yeah. I'm like, I like want to fill it in with like... <laughs> crayons. <laughs> yeah, crayons, take a picture, be like the perfect circle. So that, I mean, it was it was a lot. Of, it's it's fun for me, and it's something I always wanted to go back and do. And yeah. it's, you know, I have nothing else to do at that time of day. I'm not like putting myself off, yeah. putting work off, doing any of that. Like, it's right. just my time. And I think you need that. You need something to do on your own that's just yours i think that's very important and, and people don't do that whether it was playing an instrument or whether it was um i don't know cooking uh ultimately you do that for other people but the art of cooking is something i think is a very individual thing for people yes just find that one thing and i was hopeful when COVID started that people would find what they're really about if you're going to be home and sequestered for a period of time look inward and find the things that you want to do do you want to practice your golf swing you want to learn how to play guitar do you want yeah. to, whatever it is photography is just you know what what do you really want to do inside i was hopeful but i'm convinced now that people sat around and drank ate a lot of food and watched a lot of television and bitched about politics on the interwebs that's what i think people did <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you i, I hate to i'm I, I know that's negative, but that's yeah. what I feel most people did during the pandemic. That's what I think they did. Well, I mean, I think there's a point that there was nothing to do. I mean, people started redoing doing their homes. That? I guess. Yeah, I mean, Home Depot I mean, was I'm, open. I'm active, and I, I run around and do all kinds of things. You know, I, I took on a third job. I didn't have to. I could have sat on the unemployment line for... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know some of my pay and but i like to work and i like to create and i i didn't want a some silly pandemic to totally derail what i've been working on you know i i think it was two months before right two months before the pandemic started i had i think seven events between my marketing company and my chamber of commerce right and i think i did like a show and two events and went like it was crazy it was this crazy month that wasn't that common for me and, um, you know, everything was going really well. I was like, wow, this has been a really great month for my career. I was like, things are going, things are going on the right track. And I go, mm -hmm. every time this happens to me, <laughs> I swear something bad's going to happen. And I was right. Like, I, it was like three weeks later, I went, there it is. I knew. But I feel like now that it's starting to come out of it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be even better, hopefully, than it was before. And there was a reason for everything that happened through this pandemic. And I think everybody has their something that happened personally, spiritually, that changed them during this. And if they didn't find that, then they really wasted a lot of time Bingo. to reflect. Because Bingo. you're not in the office getting distracted by other people. You're not running from exactly. sport to athletic activity to whatever with your kids. You're literally at home staring at the people in your lives what are they doing and honestly like that if you can't figure out what you're supposed to do next from this whole experience then you wasted a lot of time not reflecting because we I never agree. get a chance in this society how fast everybody's supposed to move fast you're supposed to hustle you're supposed to you know have your goals and do your things and 
there's not much time for reflection and this year was that like this year was handed to you here's money here's your family here's your home figure things out so true right and i i hope there are people going to look back and say hey i did a couple productive things during this period of time or i learned this about my significant other or my friends or whatever but you're right and 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 we shut this show down for four weeks when the pandemic first started only because I didn't know, I, like everyone else, I had no idea what was going on. So I said, oh, okay, I'll take a break for a couple of weeks. Well, and, and you have a social responsibility too. So uh, Yeah, I didn't want to get anybody sick here because in the beginning, we didn't know if it was on the surfaces. We didn't know, we didn't know what the hell was going on. Then it got a little more comfortable. People were like, well, you know, and I said, well, what if I put people next door? So we had the guest next door. I took a, a mic and a camera over there, two cameras, and filmed them sitting over there yeah. instead of in here. And so we had the socially compliant studio arrangement here, and it was fine. And I actually put a computer screen on so we could see each other. You know, it was, but it sucked. We did that for four or five weeks. I think Rocco did a show over there with me, and it was it, we we adapted right. But I realized immediately that I was not going to stop because I had to stop real estate because the law required me to. There was nothing in the law that said I had to stop doing shows. If there was a law, I didn't see it. So I just kept doing my thing. It's too late now. I just kept doing my thing. And it was amazing to talk to people, even when they were over on the other side. And I I could see when they walked in the building, even though I wasn't around them, I could see they were so happy to do something that resembled normality yeah something normal or normalcy i should say just something that was real and tangible and, and seeing rocco and talking to him like dude what are you doing he goes is it, wait so is rocco like the person who got us both through our our covid loneliness i'm pretty sure thanks rocco thanks rocco but actually <laughs> but what i was going to say was rocco revealed how he was getting like stir crazy because he was working from home entirely and doing work and then trying to and he said I, I, I found myself watching more TV than I should have mm-hmm. I found myself falling into bad habits mm-hmm. you know slacker habits because it was so easy and convenient and then finally I had to say wait so getting him here I think if you talk to him was one of those one of the things in his life that changed at that moment like wow I gotta get back to yeah doing the things I love you know and well and you know I went back I went into his office and I'm, I'm coming at the end of my day and I'm always a renegade. Like, I, I am a talker. I'm a blurter. Like, I am fly by the seat of my pants all the time. And I was like, I've said it to other people. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm their comic relief at the end of the day. Like, they've been sitting there all day doing their work. And I come in all this, you know, I'm like loud and bubbly and like, I'm like, I have an idea. Everybody in here, let's come on. Like, you know, so I bring energy. I try to bring energy in there. But at the same time, they brought me the energy I needed coming out of COVID in December to sit there and be like, oh my gosh, like they're fun and they're, it was normal. It was normal. And it was, you know, small enough. And now we're starting to like get him into his events and everything like that. It's the longest year, right? How do you feel about the the year? Like, uh, I feel like it's, I do feel like it was a hell of a long 12-month period. Yeah. You know? It really was. I mean, it dragged and dragged. Now it's, like, starting to pick up. The past few months, I mean, with work being slow, too, you're just like, okay. Like, I love working. I love what I do. Right. I love working. I love working with the community. But I love advocacy and coming up with new ideas and concepts. 
Um, I love working. And that even slowed, you know, there was, there was time periods it was just so slow or there was just nothing going on and you're trying to come up with something new and you're like, it's nothing really new and yeah, you know, no, everything's no, still right. the same. No, I get it. So it's nice to, in the past couple of months, I think it's that buzz of life. I think it's like the buzz of life went away and you're just, we were going through the daily motions, but nobody was really living, you know, now everybody's. We were learning more about people than we wanted to know or needed to know yeah. because they were, they were bored and they were just putting out it was such an uh, everybody was very reactionary or very impulse laden where they were just and, and what happens when you sit at home you're going to eat more you're going to watch tv more like you're great if you're like the percentage that started to work out was like i'm going to work out i mean i started going back to the gym but i won't i didn't touch anything forever you know i was very limited i was like i'm using the elliptical i'm spraying it down those hand weights no no, not the class. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was so selective. And not I was like, going to stand and, upstairs and away from everybody. Back, and now looking back, really, really kind of pisses me off a little bit. And it's no one's fault. But it's like, that was so unnecessary. I mean, it wasn't the surfaces that were causing the problem. We spent billions in this country, I believe, yeah. on hand sanitizer unnecessarily. They just... Yeah. I mean, and the paranoia of touching <clears throat> things, and and then the people who made we, we just didn't know the people who made benefit from. And I, I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but they made hand sanitizer, some of the distilleries and stuff, I, and then they were taxed afterward. I know, and I'm like, they're just trying to help out and like keep their business open. Yeah, really. If, you know, again, life is not fair, and, and I've never yeah. gone route through my life as I hate the word fair because it fair. How do I say this? In most instances, fairness can teach a young person to be jaded about everything they maneuver. They're keying on the concept of fair as opposed to achievement. Sure. You know? And I, so I'm not a big fair person, but there was a lot of injustices that happened because society shut down. Some industries were hurt way more than other ones. Absolutely. It, it wasn't very... Some e- thrived. It wasn't equitable that Home Depot could stay open initially where the local hardware store had to shut down. I didn't understand that. Or the Walmart would be open for food, but you couldn't have a local food store open. There was a lot of things that didn't make sense to me initially. But you know what? Life is going to... You're going to encounter your um, unfair circumstances. You have to learn to not dwell on them. I mean, because if you can complain about... You can complain about the unfairness all you want. Well, and I do believe... do nothing for you. There's a reason for everything. Like, there's a reason this shut down or you were supposed to not be in this. Like, I've said that time and time again. Um, I had... I worked at an ice skating rink. And I came in. I had just had my son. It was 12 weeks. You know, I had 12 weeks with my baby. And this is my first child. And I'm crying on the way. And I'm like, I have to go back to work. And I'm leaving my kid. And, like, you don't want to... You're like... I. Like, you're so attached. Right. And I walk in the door, and I lose my job. Like, we can't afford you anymore. And the place was shutting down. And I went, I have, like, a list of, like, to-dos. I'm like, and we're going to be doing, no, we're not going to do any of this. So, I'm devastated, but then at the same time, I'm like, I just stay home with my baby. Yeah. But I'm devastated. Like, what am I going to do for work? Well, that's when I started my marketing company, because I was home with the baby. Right. He's sleeping. And I was like, I'm going to come up with this marketing company. And so that led me to multiple opportunities, travel, led me eventually to the chamber too, which came because of my marketing company. So 
all of it was like this path that at the time I was like what's happening like I just had a baby how can I lose my job right. 12 weeks out um, but at the end of it I stayed home with my son until 15 months and then I he was crawling over like the couch and I was like I have to go back to work now I love you um, you know <laughs> you just can't do any all of a sudden they're like at this age you're like okay I'm gonna, okay <laughs> like you're just like <laughs> like it's impossible to manage but um, look I got you know 12 extra a whole year more with my son at Absolutely. home yeah. and everything worked out in my career and it was probably a really good decision I wasn't super in love with the job that I was doing um, at the time anyway so right. it all right. makes sense now Right. so you know people might have lost their jobs that they really loved or people might have you know, moved out of or lost their brick and mortars or, you know, really struggled. But I think at the end of it, five years down the road, you're going to look back and say, wow. I think so. I'm so happy that happened to me. I, I'm, I'm guessing there's definitely going to be some exceptions to that. But of I think course. there's going to be a lot of opportunities to look back. But again, it comes down to circumstances. Like, we can't control all circumstances. We have to, can't. We have to deal with what we're given and then find a way to make things uh, the best they can be and sometimes it's bigger and better in the end and that's... so if i could interview the interviewee mm -hmm. what is one word that you would say that you learned from covid hmm wow that's a good one this isn't fair <laughs> i um, like to put you on the spot this that's time. okay uh i should have an answer for that i don't know if i do one word that i learned and it could be about yourself or just like what did you learn during COVID in one word? What was your... Okay. Uh, I think I think I learned the... I learned the definition, the real definition of indifference. That's good. Because I started feeling a certain way uh, a lot stronger than I have in prior years. And I go, what is this feeling of not caring yeah. so much about this issue or that issue or their fight or their fight? Not, It isn't that I don't care about people, love people, but not really wanting to engage, like not wanting to be part of the conversation, feeling like let these people bash it out. Even if I think I have an idea there, no. And I think that I really I I went online to the dictionary there. Webster's is still a thing, I you know. And, I, and what does indifference really mean? And then I would vet that out with people like yeah. Rocco, my friends. Like I think I really am practicing significant indifference. And I don't know if it's a Buddhist thing or whatever that is, but the pandemic made me realize that that my life is happier and easier by not being so mentally wrapped up in other people's. Um, I don't know other people's discussions, other people's passions. You know? Yeah, I pick and choose now. I really pick and choose now, and I think that's the concept of practicing positive indifference. And that's that's the word I learned coming out of the pandemic. But it's selfish. But that's it. I'm looking inwardly. Sure. That's the word I've been able to define and use. Indifference. Mm -hmm. And you say that, and you get a lot of negative. Cause there's an, in, no, there's a, I don't think it's a negative word. Well, a lot of people do. They they think there's a negative connotation to that word, and like, I can it's understand like snubbing that. or you know. I think I think so. Like you you don't want to be bothered, and, and and in essence, sometimes that is the case. Yeah. You know, because you can only the the brain can only handle so much. I think the that's true too. With age, you know, 
um, this whole age and wisdom thing is, I think you're only going to be as wise as you want to be. Yes. You can be older and bloody stupid, right? Yes, absolutely. If you don't learn from experiences, you don't become wise. So I think that's kind of the age thing might have something to do with the indifference where I'm just tired of the battle. And, and we saw a massive battle politically online with this nonsense that went on in the past year in this country and people wanting to join a team and all this stuff. And, yeah. and I'm a, I love baseball, I so love, I root for I my love, A's, right? That, that's the only team I care about. I, don't I care about love the, that you know. I have to, by bylaws of the chamber, be politically neutral. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm like, I can't even begin to start with any of that stuff like I can't I can't I, I just never liked politics um, from a young age just discussing but it's it gotta be length. hard it's gotta be hard to maneuver that way I mean, you just did an event with a state representative you know that there's that political thing has to creep in somewhere right no not that from was, you that was but pretty around neutral. you though most of the you. stuff like you know I did do a big thing with they're they're trying to put tolling up on I-79 but it was bipartisan so I'll only involve myself in stuff like that that's mm -hmm. completely neutral so you can pick and choose yeah yeah, like, I mean, I just stay out of anything that's, you know, towing the line on which side and, mm -hmm. you know, whatever my beliefs are, they're mine. I don't even like to discuss it with, like, my family. I, I don't. I just yeah. don't. Why, um, why do you feel that most people, most people are totally okay either wearing it as an identity or shouting it out or insinuating or accusing? Why do you think most people have no problem being public with their views? Well, I think there's a bandwagon effect. They identify with certain groups of people and they want to and they want to be a part of something no matter what it is and if they find anything that corresponds with the way they feel they feel like they should be a part of that without seeing the other perspective I think a lot of the times the different part it is there is two-party system I think there's huge faults in that completely mm -hmm. but um, because there's just on both sides, there's always good. You know, it's just hard to convey it in and one bad. person. In bad, absolutely. And um, I just think that people close their eyes to, or aren't educated enough on the other side. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I They don't want to <clears throat> learn it because they always felt that way. They've always been taught that way. Or they don't believe in it. I think trying to understand someone else's viewpoint um, opens up all kinds of personal insecurities. Like my whole thing is, and this is kind of what I crafted since doing this show, because I, I said to myself, man, if I'm going to sit down and do this show and have really honest conversations, then the only way I can do that is, number one, keep my own damn mouth shut, which I'm still working on. But really listening. My my literally my blood pressure went up when you started asking about. I was like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> there is no wrong thing here. I don't. I, I I don't want to come into this conversation with anything um, that is not pure humility. Meaning that I don't. I want to learn, and I want to be open to everything. I don't. And it's been fantastic. I use that word a lot, but it's been great because. I have had my mind changed on so many things by just hearing other viewpoints on this show. I mean, I couldn't, I didn't prescribe the political party before I started the show, but now I have disdain for both of them so much because they don't, they don't fit like this. If I, if I gave you a list of things I believed, you'd be going like this, crossing the T back and forth. So how would I possibly join 
a party that doesn't represent what I actually uniquely believe, but I don't yeah. think people look at it that way. So what I'm saying is I came to every conversation with humility, knowing, assuming I know nothing, and then having leaving that conversation going, oh, my God, I always thought of it this way, but now how can I possibly do that? Well, that takes humility, and I yeah. believe that most people find that uncomfortable. And it doesn't make me special at all. I just am saying most people find... I think find, you're special. Ah, thank you. You're welcome. But I, I think most most folks, and me at a younger point in my life, were so brazen that I'm always right, or it's the ego or whatever, that they won't enter conversations with humility, because that leaves you susceptible that you might be wrong. Yeah, yeah. And there's I, I nothing mean, wrong with that. I've really taken a lot in the past, I would say at least 10 years, being the person to say sorry. I mean... I think it takes mm -hmm. a lot out of person. Some people will never say sorry no matter what. And I think just saying, you know, I, I messed up. That's a hard thing for the ego to say that you're wrong. But I think it, the more you do it, the more it's like, this is the right thing to do, you know, no matter what. Even if, even if the other person might be wrong at something too and they don't apologize back that you're saying it's okay. Right. I need to say I'm sorry because I've done something rather than the opposite yeah and I, I i don't know why it's so important to be married to an opinion i think that's screwing yeah. up society we we aren't open to the reality we might be wrong you know or there might be another way to do things and that i just don't you know some people will die on that hill with that belief even when they've been shown multiple times yeah. that they're wrong, and they're smart folks, but they're, they want to they want to be right at any cost, and they'll yes. they'll die on that hill, Ugh. you know. That's, and that's a snooze for thirty days kind of person to me. I, and I, I would hope that they'd be embarrassed maybe a year, two or three years if they were to go back and look at their old posts. That, well, I think we some have... people just like arguing. I think some people like debating. They're trying to stir things up. They're trying to like make a stink. You think? Yes. Think people like that? Oh yeah, like they get yeah. enjoyment out of oh, it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Really. See, I don't. That's so foreign to how my brain works. I don't get it. I just like, you know. Now maybe I do get it. If I, if I, if I wanted to start an argument about music, you know, I'd say so and so, uh, something quirky like this producer produced the best records of this band. Come at me. That's always in fun and in jest. People are debating music. Yeah. And I guess you can make the argument that that gets people's emotions going. I guess like politics gets people's emotions going. I put that in a different category. Music is an entertainment to me, but I guess the news is now entertainment. How do you fight that off? You know, you are in news. You, you at one time wanted to be part of a news organization. What does the news look like to you today in terms of how that exists? I mean, that that was. Well, I think news has to completely change. I mean, television news kind of is still around the same concept. They're starting to integrate into social media. Um, but newspapers, they're more like marketing companies at this point. Okay. So they have their newspaper, but now they have all these integrations. I mean, the Post-Gazette I know has complete digital packages of, I mean, advertising and... and what about how it's run? Algorithms and all of okay. this. Um, okay. I mean, they're, I think they're just trying to figure out how to make it work so that they can still offer this concept of newspapers which a lot is read online, but I think there's still an audience for their paper news and um, still be able to continue on doing what they do because it is a different, I mean, they get, there's news everywhere now. There's, you could start a news site, writing articles, get a bunch of people together, write right. articles. There's, right. there's so much competition that that, 
form of news is really hard to keep up with. But I think now that they're integrating the marketing mm-hmm. into it, it helps. But is that taking away from what the original concept was, which was a paper newspaper? Like, no. is it, you know, is it slowly weaning away at the news and how it was I done? I think so. I think it's in it. But I think right now, and it's been a long slog to get here, but it's now not really news anymore. It's opinion. It's like it's editorialized. You have yeah. CNN feeling a certain way, and Fox feeling a certain way, and MSN feeling a certain way over here, and then all the little smaller ones that are really editorialized. And it, the the idea of giving some whatever facts are right because we we can do a whole show on do people really believe facts anymore? You know, what are facts? Because I'm convinced that. Certain sections of oh, society. Oh, he's getting very philosophical right certain, now. Well, certain sections of society believe what they believe at any cost, and they're dyed in the wool with his beliefs, and they will take facts and make them fit their story. You know, yeah. so so I think you have to look to science as what's factual, right? So science works in facts and reality. Well, I mean, just personally, you know, crazy. I can be like, I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. But if somebody doesn't want to believe that truth, it's irrelevant. they will never look at you right. like they believe you. And right. you're like, but I'm telling the truth. Right. And that's why I think I'm practicing indifference because that struggle is not worth it to me anymore. Like trying to figure out why people do what they well, do. Well, and that's exactly it. That's my That's my art is like, I cannot... You can't convince somebody the truth that doesn't want to hear it. Like, you can't. You can pound it into their head, and they'll never hear it. Mm -hmm. Unless something else comes in to change their opinion. Yes. Yeah. I'm just sad that what we're seeing now... Because I I think the news houses always had a slant to them. You know, there's always some kind of philosophical slant. But it was never so caustic as today. it is today. It's just I don't know what to believe. I go to CNN to read something, an opinion. And I go to Fox to read an opinion. And now I'm left to try to figure out what really happened with a news article. Not with with any political... But with a news article, I can't figure out the truth. You know, and that's not worth it to me anymore. Now that's why I guess I get detuned, and I don't know all the things I, I, I'm not up on things like I should be at times. Well, I agree. And then you get the closer you get to any election, the more you know. Then you know too much. Then everything crisscrosses each other, and then you're like, wait, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to vote. <laughs> like it's yeah. like you're so confused by the end. You're like, I have no idea at this point. I mean, you believe in parties and and certain concepts that go along with the parties, but then you come down to the individuals. Yeah, it's frustrating. I, I don't know. I, it's I don't, frustrating. I don't think it's. I don't. Th- I don't think it's. Um, I, I always believe the following: that politics was never a poor man's sport or woman's sport. Meaning that we just don't, as common people, we don't have a place there. It, yeah. was, it was always, for the most part, when you talk about the bigger seats. The, the big, the, you know, the, the federal seats, and even your high, high-end state seats. You've got to have an army of money and an army of people to get there, and then to do what you have to do to get to those positions. That that element of compromise. I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm good with that. I don't know. I don't know, but you can vote for uh, Mandy Pryor, president. When, when you're running. 2052. <laughs> 2052. <laughs> I'll be dead by then. <laughs> I'll be pretty old. Yeah, be all right. At that time, maybe the common person could be able to to, to get this seat. You know? Yeah, right. You gotta 
before kiss we, a lot of babies. Before we go, talk, tell me a little more about this show. Tell the tell our listeners and our our viewers more about your show. My show. Yeah, your show. It's so, just your show today. You know, it's about you. Well, this show today or my show outside of the show. Is it the show We're, show? Let's, let's talk, the other show. Let's talk on my show today okay. about your show because today is you your show to talk about your show on my okay. show. <laughs> All right. So I have a show, if you didn't know. Um, Spotlight on Pittsburgh. It is a concept I came up with, I think, six years ago. It was originally I was going to go from business to business. It, I worked downtown and... Um, I was going to tape with the chefs and I was going to go in there and like have fun and do interviews on the spot. Then I thought of actually doing that <laughs> <laughs> and um, lugging a video camera, uh, lugging a lighting kit, uh, lugging, uh, lugging all of the stuff, yep. which I used to do. I used to, oh man, like back in the day, I used to pack a car for these shoots like for hours. Okay. So then I would also have to go home and edit. I was like really not a fan of that i was doing a lot of videography stuff before i I even started my marketing company okay um so that got knocked out then i had i had my baby i was bored at home not bored but like you know i'm i move i like to do stuff Mm -hmm. and i came up with my marketing company and then i also somehow came across peter's township community television station and i said huh so i was like called them and i was like Hi, I, I, I want to have a show. They're like, what is it? I'm like, Spotlight on Pittsburgh. I was like, I went to school for broadcasting. I'll be interviewing people. I want a show. They said, okay, fill this out. And then I had a show. And I was like, well, that was easy. And wow. the best part is they have a studio space. They do right. an amazing job. They integrate the students in. So the students are learning the video cameras right. for their future. So I right. feel like I'm right. like helping out. Right. And um, which has gone by the wayside for, you know, because COVID. of COVID. But it'll be back. And... Um, you know they do all the editing too so it's like a win-win like i just bring in the guests and and you know it's it's a great fun and as i said before mm-hmm. i had stage fright i needed a place that i could grow to and practice yeah, to work and start that. getting people in and i will say that in person is actually a lot harder because you have to coordinate two guests and that seems to be the hardest thing like what do you mean like bringing two guests in at the same exact time at the same day with the studio space open where there's nobody else it's always the hardest thing okay so i love i love doing the show i make nothing from it um i'd like to bring on eclectic guests anybody from small business owners Mm -hmm. musicians i just had freddie stover on and john vento oh right on uh they're fantastic i've had on um chefs i've had on big company starkist schneider dairy um, you know, I'm all over the place. I just like to find something that's interesting or different uh, to talk on that topic. And it's, you know, two interviews separately. And then typically if we're in studio, we'll have them talk with each other. But now that it hasn't been like that, we've just been doing the individuals. Um, but I love doing it. And I've really, you know, it's become a huge thing for me to grow personally at... Right. You know, being able to do this on camera and sure. feel comfortable all the time, which I I, I do, and um, you know, really meet a lot of really good people along the way. Oh, no doubt. And I'm going to have this guy Eric McKenna. Mm, 
You sure you want to do that? I do. I already found a second guest. I'm pretty sure. I think I'm going to have you on with an interior designer. So you'll talk interior real estate. Design, he doesn't yeah. talk about his real estate career quite as much as he should. Yeah. Residential all over Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. Does a fantastic job at finding places, especially right now that the housing market, he knows a lot of things that other real estate agents might not know. Am I allowed to say that? I know things. He knows things. He knows people. Yeah. And he'll, I, he'll do you a He'll do you justice. I appreciate that. That's very kind. Unnecessary, but very kind. Thank you. We've talked for a while about, you know, other various topics. So I at least wanted to mention that. She's a hell of a marketing guru over <clears> here. <throat> and and the, the tough thing about this show is, is everybody knows this is a, uh, anyone that's followed this show is it's non-commercial. We don't have sponsors, but I am I'm a I'm not sponsoring the show. I would but not. I, no, no, no. I would no, not. But I am a, I'm a, I'm a realtor. That's what I do here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And um, the show has been a, this show has been a blessing indirectly because I've met fabulous people. And some of those people have been clients. It's worked out well, but overtly, I love the organic nature and talk on this show with no agenda. You know, no one's got their claws in us. And, um, but I love marketing. I'm a capitalist pure and through and through. I love marketing. I love commerce. That's no secret. And what we do here is, um, I don't know, giving, we, we love talking to entrepreneurs. We have, that's kind of how Rocco and I initially connected was, um, his overall philosophy, but the fact that he was like an entrepreneur on steroids <laughs> and and that's just kind of like, that's just, you know, that's, I get it. I get yeah. it. So, um, but the show's grown from that point to do a lot of different things. We do a UFO series on here, which is just amazing. What is a UFO <laughs> series? I have James Krug, who is a, uh, director of MUFON and also a uh, science professor down in Altoona. He comes on and I have uh, two good friends of mine, Julia Mulligan and Fred Koala, and we sit in every six weeks and James brings it, visuals and the whole bit, and we flesh out uh, interesting UFO and paranormal stories on here for <laughs> a good three hours. Do and you believe in aliens? I do believe that there's things out there. I'm not much on the paranormal stuff. Like I don't really, I don't, I, I'm really indecisive on that. But in terms of us being alone in the universe, there's just no way we are. You know, there's got to be even if it's a bacteria or something, right? I, I, I there has think, to I think we've been. See, the problem with that is now that some it's, kind of microbe. Well, yeah. If an alien was coming here, tiny. if aliens have been coming here for so long, they might be only this big. We might not even know. They could right? be here right now. They could be here now. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe James knows something we don't. Yeah, I definitely don't think there's little green men out there. But. I think something's been flying in from other places. The government, I think, has been covering stuff up. I'm, I'm there. Yeah. I mentally, I believe that. I, I don't have any conspiracy theories. Although that kind of conspiracy is fun to pander about. It's well, not. It you, doesn't you harm do anybody. Know, it doesn't harm and I'm anybody. sure you've talked about Orson Welles. Oh yeah. And that Pittsburgh was like the foundation of mm -hmm. the. Um, was it? Was that War of the Worlds or what was it called? War of the Worlds was a big. Yeah, that was the parody he did i guess on the radio and that people thought it was know. real oh. that would have been pittsburgh you, you pull yeah. that shit in pittsburgh people start going, guys, out, going outside with their trash cans and and then Gins guys hear about them guns. aliens oh my god that's I put pretty out good a, i put out a parking chair down the street sorry that's I have good to, yeah you got, you got the ins are down pat yeah yeah so you have to bring your you know the alien paranormal yeah i don't believe in ghosts though yeah i'm not much on that either no people lose me with that but you said you had some comedians on your show who did you have 
Um, I had Terry Jones and I've Mike had Terry Sons. Twice. Oh, I love Terry Jones. I've known him. I used to work at the Tunesium back in the day, and he did comics for comics with. Um, it was a fundraiser with Mike Bazzelli, if you know oh, yeah. him. Yep. And um, I love Terry Jones, and they were on the couch in my program, and Mike fell in the. He's like a linebacker, and he fell into the couch. And I was like, only when comedians are on the show would we have one of you fall in a couch. That's funny. Yeah, he was just like stuck in there. Terry so, and I went four, we have and, our four moments. and a half, five hours his first visit. We we cracked it wide open. We were going deep. It was had some good stuff. Well, and he has the most adorable little girls, and he's a good egg. Yeah, I agree. He's a good. I egg. agree. Shout out to Terry Jones. Terry Jones. Terry Jones. Great job. Yeah, he's. He, I've known him for a while. Um, you know, we had Scott Blazy from the Clarks. Oh, I was yeah. telling you, we were we were flipping a penny, and Scott's great. It, it didn't flip. It just kind of sat there. It was so. cool to have him just to hear the history of the Clarks, because he really went. Yeah. He, he said, "Eric, I only probably only got forty minutes of material for you." I'm like, "My friend, if you if you give me fifteen minutes, I'd be happy to have you." He was there almost two hours, and at the end, he was like, "I really had a great time." That made me feel really good, like I was on to something, like that, because it was discussion based. It wasn't really a, like I know you don't do hard driving interviews. I'm not a journalist. I am not a. I barely got through high school. Well, so I mean, yeah. part <laughs> of that was, and I think I was never supposed to be in the news industry, um, be, just because of the fact that it's 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 sad. I mean, there's just like, a, it, it brings up. I mean, now they do a lot more positive stories and stuff, but a lot of it can be downers. You know, yeah, I had to write about this poor little girl week. I mean, day after day after day after day after day. I was like writing mm-hmm. for the eleven o'clock news, mm-hmm. and then she got kicked in the face with like boots and was like in intensive care. And I mean, I just had to keep talking about it every day. And I'm like, I like I'm so upset for this yeah, poor girl. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, they do feel good, and it. That is life. That is, but for me, it's like, do I want to work within that scope every day? I mean, it's not saying I'm trying to look past the bad, but at the same time, do I want to be integrated into it? Because mm-hmm. you the get time? sucked in. Yeah. How can you not? That's just part of the gig. Yeah, exactly. Do you listen to podcasts on your spare time? What's what spare time you do have? Do you, I you subscribe am, to any? Do I you, do not. You don't. Huh? I. For some reason, don't I listen to comedians? I love listening to comedians in my car. Right. I don't know what it is about, and there's nothing about podcasts. I don't know what it is. Have podcasts now, you know. That's true. I don't know what it is. I just don't. I just not gotten into any podcasts. Hmm. Video podcasts, yes. So yeah, I, I don't even I, know what this visual. is. Is this? A, am I doing miss miss marketing expert? Am I doing a talk show? Am I doing a video podcast? Am I doing a web show? Am I doing a podcast? I think what you have, is, what is this? I think you have a podcast set up. So mm-hmm. generally speaking, I think this is a podcast. I think you're where podcasts are going, which are video, you know, video to, you can call it a webcast because it has both, it's just fully integrated. So mm-hmm. you're doing the video, you're doing not the radio, live, not but live. not live. No. Yeah, I'd like to do that someday, but that re- requires a bigger operation where I would need to have, like Rogan has Jamie. He's got that assistant yeah. to do. And then they're switching for back and forth. And and, and what, what if I did that, I couldn't have... It'd be easier in certain ways because then you don't edit. Yeah, I would leave and just render it and then yeah. release it. You know, because it's already, well, I guess it'd be already out there in the ether. It would already be there because it was broadcast and, re- and recorded live. I don't know how that works. 
but it wouldn't look as good because the I think the back and forth on the camera stuff is choppy. At least we're I'm yeah. not polished. Like if you notice about this show, um, another unique thing about what we're doing is that I don't. I've I've heard all kinds of editing advice. You know, Eric, you leave your transitions on too long, and when you shoot to this camera angle, only let it go four to five seconds, and then revert back. I do this real stodgy kind of transition that goes to one angle and it goes there 15, 20 seconds, slow pan, then it goes back to the main. I have a certain way of doing it. It creates a certain look and feel that's uniquely I think you should do it for mine. you. Exactly. And I'm and so that look and feel is consistent and it's what make it's part of what our presentation is. So it doesn't fit Hollywood rules in Good. terms of you know what I mean, but I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I mean? When somebody yeah, I just don't care. you know comes along and does it for you for free or you know that'd be great then they, yeah but if you like it the way it looks then keep it the way it looks yeah and that, and just a part of the editing process i love because i get to revisit the conversations again and it's time consuming and i and i do have the kids are grown now so they have their own lives and i, I have the time if i didn't have the time it'd be different sure. but i get to revisit the shows through the through the editing sure. you know which is fantastic because that's the you know, the, and there isn't really any heavy-handed editing here, but it's putting the show together. You have to relive it again. Well, you're doing a lot more editing for your show than I have for mine. Well, <laughs> yeah, I have to put it together. I, I do I, like editing, and, and that's one of the nice things I do at Coza Law Group is I do some little video projects, little editing commercials, which I haven't done in a while. Right. And I really enjoy it because I'm kind of free to be creative with it. Right. But when I'm, like, forced to do it, then exactly. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Like if I'm like on a timeline, I have to get this project to them for this. And I'm like, oh, do it. Yeah. once I get started, I love it. I think, you know, it can be really fun and interesting to edit stuff and like add elements and sound effects mm -hmm. and stuff into it. Um, you think terrestrial radio is going to be around much longer? It's still a booming industry. Terrestrial radio. Yeah. Why? So it's still surviving. <clears throat> Definitely. Why do you think that is? I I'm not sure. I mean, I listen to it sometimes when I'm too lazy to, to connect my stuff to Bluetooth. <laughs> it's fine. You're going to hear the same songs, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's advertising. And then, you know, I've I've talked with some of the people I know. Um, I'm not going to think of it. It's a Christian radio station. Uh, they're doing the same thing kind of as, you know, the... The newspapers are, which is integrating email and it's all getting blurry. It's yeah, it's just going to end up like collapsing into one big, you know, multimedia like oligopoly, presence. right? Right. Yeah, good word. Thank you. It's, we don't it's use the only big thing words I learned. It's the only thing I learned from my economics class in senior year. <laughs> yeah, the podcasting. That thing. one was for you, Mister Bangle. Thank you for that. <laughs> Shout out to Mister Bangle. <laughs> That's well, pretty funny. I know that the podcasting thing is now part of uh, talk radio shows and the sports talk and the, the fan. There's little podcasts brought out everywhere. It's just really interesting to see. Um, I, I've listened to podcasts for so long now and I enjoy them that I it's hard to listen to terrestrial radio because even if it's sports content that I want, there's a commercial like every couple minutes it drives me I just me love insane. Delilah though still I love Delilah Delilah she's still doing her thing her little romance music at <laughs> night oh. that's nationally broadcast I think so is that still a thing she was doing that stuff like 30 
five years ago. She really gives some good relationship advice. Is she like 85 years old? I don't think she's that old. I think I think I looked her up and I was, when she was surprised nine? at how young she was. was really? Like, wow. She must have started in her 20s. That's like Ann Landers, right? I mean, how old was she still around? I don't know. I mean, it's changed a little bit. That Was it Ask Abby or Ask? Ask Abby. Ask Abby was a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that competed with Ann Landers, right? There was two yeah. nationally syndicated advice columns. Well, Natalie Balenciaga, she thought, does it. I just read my mind. Yeah, she does it I in know Pittsburgh. She does. Uh, we're still waiting for you, Natalie. Natalie. Still waiting for you. I'm I'll, just putting them I'll out there. I'll talk to her. Okay. We'll make it a thing. I'm really anxious to talk with her. I think yeah. she'd be a great conversation. Yeah. I do. Hint. <laughs> He's, he doesn't mean it. He totally does. Um, well, once I tell her how fun this is. Good. It is a good time. Did you have fun? I did. Yeah. I did. Come back and see me. I will. Sure. Well, I mean, you this know is like I will. a really good time. And uh, I am fascinated by this show. Do you know a guy named... Um, is, is that where Al Levine does his show? You know Al Levine? He does I've a sports show on... Maybe it isn't Peter's. It's one of the other... South Hills municipalities. Bethel have. Park? Could be Bethel. They do Could a lot. Maybe yeah, it's Upper Bethel. Sinclair has one, but I haven't heard much about it. I know Bethel Park does a lot of shows. Okay, it's Al Levine's Sports Machine, I think it's called. Oh, I have heard of that. And Al does it. It's pretty popular. It does a show on community access. I think it might be Bethel Park. It might Probably be. Probably Bethel. All you South Hills people, you know, you're all I just... I was in the South... I've only been in the South Hills for five <laughs> I years. I love the South Hills. I used to live in Mount Lebanon. I'm an Aspenwaller. Right on. And then I lived in Natrona. It's actually in Fawn Township in the middle of the woods for like five years. Is it Natrona or Natrona? Natrona. Now you're making me rethink it. Well, I was schooled because I was told I was always calling Latrobe Latrobe, and I was I was told it's called it, it's pronounced Latrobe. I didn't. I always called it Natrona Heights. I didn't know. I, you know, I'm sorry. You live That's and learn. That's okay. You live and learn. You do. This was awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Come I back had and so do much this fun. Again. I will. I'll Definitely. Put you on one of these panel shows. <gass> I want to. I get insane. Put me up against other people. It's That's, not like it's not. I'm like just that. kidding. Yeah. I'm Although we could make it What's that. What's the could, challenge? We could make it that way. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're welcome. Appreciate Thank it. you, Eric. All right, friends. We're out. Hello. You're listening to the Eric McKenna Project.